Hi everyone and welcome to this week's episode of The Sit Down right here on SM Media. I'm Scott McPay, delighted to be your host as always. We have a very special guest in this episode. I'm joined by the former Aberdeen defender, Xander Diamond. Xander, it's a pleasure to welcome you onto the show. Thanks very much for joining me. No, no, it's a pleasure, um, Scott. Um, it's taken a bit of time to get on, but um, but fortunate enough we managed to get a wee couple of hours in and I'm sure it'll be a, bit of a worthwhile chat. Brilliant. How you been? How's everyone been since COVID started? Since COVID started, yeah, it's been it's quite been difficult like, like everybody. Um, uh, wife's pregnant, uh, we got a three-year-old. It was a three-year-old's birthday we had and we had to move house and stuff like that. So it's been all hands to the pump just before Christmas, but it's like anything, you know, where you were in lockdown, then you were out and yeah. um, back at back at football and then suddenly the restrictions came again. And, you know, it's just like everybody else. We're waiting for it to sort of restart um, in every industry, not just football, you know, but as long as everybody's safe and well and, and we kind of get this vaccine kind of put out there and, you know, we're just following protocols right, left and centre until we get green lights to sort of go into the, the football field and start training. Yeah, definitely. You started coaching kind of one-to-one, but you're also at Queen's Park for a bit. Just how, what you been, what were you kind of doing before that's all kind of kicked off, like coaching-wise? Yeah, well, um, been involved with the 16s at, at Queen's Park, so we just inherited a, a, a new team because the way it obviously works in Scotland, it's like some like pre-seasons, like January, February. So last last term, we didn't really get a lot of time with the boys. So I found that kind of difficult because their development, you know, there's only so many Zoom calls and sort of activities you can do. You know, we yeah. did things where we're working on like predictions, watching um, games, analysing players in your position. So we're trying to try to get that into them as early as possible. Obviously, video analysis is an important thing in football now. So the younger they can get into their system, then, then the better. So we started doing stuff like that. And then we started back a phase return. And suddenly you've only, you only play like a handful of games if that. And then yeah. suddenly it's decision time for the boys, you know. So so that that sort of side wasn't nice. It's the first sort of time I've been involved where you have to speak to the, the boys and and let them know if they're kept on or kept um, getting been released. And it's never nice telling a young boy, you know, you've, you've just not made it. And yeah, you know, as, as much as anything, you want them to go away and, and prove you wrong. And, and other coaches, it's made those decisions. You know, it's it's a it's a reality and a harsh reality of football that only a certain percentage will will make it through to the top. You know, there's teams chopping players all the time, you know, up and down the country, worldwide, and try to get that one player that's going to kind of go right through. So we keep saying them, you know, every chance they've got at training is it could be their last chance. And, mm-hmm. You know, fortunately, the majority of them came through and we've got them again and we've got the kind of 15s from last season into the 16s. So again, similar again, we had one training session with them, I saw a feeler the way we work at Queen's Park and, and at the 16s because suddenly you're now playing for points and it's that wee bit more competitive. The running becomes different. You know, it's more sort of tailored to football related. You know, you can you, you know you can do your skills and everything like that, but you've got to be fit yeah. as well, which, which I think is huge. And that's what we'll go into later with, with my business side of things. But yeah, again, we get, we get them on the grass, um, get them on the Astro at, at Lesser. Yep, and then suddenly the restrictions happen again. So again, it's telling them, prepare yourself properly for coming back. Um, we've had them on. So with this sort of six, eight weeks we've had, it's pre-season for them and telling them to write down their times and everything. And, you know, and the ones that do want it, you know, and it's even judging them on these sort of calls and, and mm-hmm. their attitude towards um, Zoom calls and they're doing a lot of like core work within, within the team. Um, football club and we, we watch them we monitor them you know that's mixed with 16s and 18s 
but you can tell, you know, even even turning up early, you know, be there 10 minutes early and wait for the Zoom call to come on rather than two minutes late and stuff like that. You know, it all, it all works against, you know, stuff that discipline that we, we well, I, I took on board as a very, very young boy coming mm-hmm. through. And, um, yeah. you know, just sort of that. So preparing them for, you know, because the, the head of a youth has said, we're going to hit the ground running, i.e. games will be, will be coming quick because no, no time now to sort of prepare. So that preparation yeah. you've done or you've not done will determine what happens possibly Christmas time and the contracts again get given out. So, so yeah, just that side of things, you know, it's, it was enjoyable, really enjoyable. Um, and gradually you're, you're getting more confident, everything that comes with it, you know, you're learning all the time. Kids are, kids will surprise you, but I love it. The, the enthusiasm's there, you know, I miss it. I miss it greatly. And, um, you know, I can't wait to get back onto the field. Brilliant. We'll touch on your, your career. We'll start off with your early years. Just what was it like, you kind of know, growing up in your boys' days, boys' club days, what were they like for you? Best days of your life, um, brilliant. Um, you know, we, we grew up in a, a place in Dumbarton where it was all four high flats, five high flats, and, you know, you could have picked a, a team from everyone. That's how, you know, how, yeah. how good it was out, out with a ball all the time. And it'd be about 30, 40 boys, you know, just running about, you know, but everybody seemed to have a ball, you know, it was mm-hmm. never like somebody without one. So the, the memories of that, were brilliant, you know. There was never, there was never a park empty. There was always somebody playing. And if you uh, say I'm, I'm going to nine o'clock in the morning for out the summer holidays or whatever, somebody else would be out. Then the next yeah. day you'd want to be early. Somebody else would be out. You know, it was just the, the common theme where everybody was out with a football and, and playing. And um, they call it different strips and all that. Boys in Man United strips, Celtic strips, Rangers strips. You know, not in Forest strip. It, it was just brilliant. You know, Scotland. Yeah. It was just the colour and jumpers for goalposts if you couldn't if the bigger boys were playing but the bigger boys were playing the pitches however the big boys just went listen why don't you come in and join us and and, it, and did it toughen you up possibly you know because you did get kicked and you gave as good as you got you know you know, a few scuffles and it kind of toughened you up but there was never there was about three or four parks in about the vicinity and I'm talking about everyone was full you know there'd be mm-hmm. different groups of friends and all that sometimes playing for trophies at different areas and but we made that up ourselves, you know, we didn't say, you know, that we needed to organise. We said, we'll, we'll play like a, a tournament where the winner gets a, a trophy. You know, it might be a wee trophy you've got, got in the house, but it, it just meant something for like, yeah. well, it was your, your area that it won it or your, your kind of high flat that won it with all the boys. Not. So it was just fantastic. And getting out and replicating and stuff, you know, looking back on it, well, with the earliest memory of the Euro, it would be Euro 92. Right. And Scotland against CIS. Yeah. But then that, that was a great you know, the win 3-0 already out of the tournament. But that was one of the, the first recollections of a, a kind of national tournament an international tournament. But when the World Cup of '94 came, it was that was unbelievable. The colour, mm-hmm. the stadiums, the players, the the the, the strips, you know, Campos's strip, you know, you like the Mexican keeper, like, unbelievable. Um Romario Bebeto, you know, you, you're talking about Baggio. You know, just all these teams and but the thing was you everybody would watch it. Yeah. And then see within about five, ten minutes, you'd be down the stairs and somebody was saying, Did you see such and such doing that? Did you see Valderrama? Did you see Maradona? Did you you know it was just uh, it was so refreshing? And right. I would love to go back to that stage because there there was no pressure on you. You just went out and played with a ball, honing skills, you know, just kicking it to um the uh, the cows came home and, you know, and at night you'd be shouting in for your dinner. No, I don't want it. You know, or you'll go with it and we'll find, you know what I mean? That's fine. I've <laughs> an ice cream fan coming round. We'll get a bottle of juice and still playing football all the time. And, you know, that was my first recollection. But it, 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 it whetted my appetite, probably that tournament where 
the stadium, the players, the atmosphere, the colour. It just said, right, brilliant. Um, because you're so used to watching sports scene in, in, in Scott Sport and seeing all your sort of domestic teams play. But yeah. That tournament really ignited the fire in my belly, like to say, listen, you know, why don't you go and, and, and try, not, not, not to be a professional, just try and aspire to be them because yeah. at that age, I'm not really thinking about nothing. Um, and then suddenly my uncle, he ran an under-10s team. I was only six or seven. And he said, why don't you come and, and, and come here? And that's what I'm saying. We play with older boys. There wasn't, it wasn't an issue. Just straight in. You got a strip, which was, you adored. Oh, I've got a strip. And you had to look after that. It was just, you, you really appreciated it. And you felt you felt important. You felt wanted. And you went, I'm part of something here. Although it may just be a team, but you felt part of something. So it was mm-hmm. great. Fantastic. Brilliant. You moved up. Obviously, you, you get scouted for Aberdeen. Just before that, like who were some of your kind of heroes like growing up? Like, what team did you kind of follow when you were young? It was probably, you know, in the 90s, we there, we were, it was a mixture of West Coast as well, Celtic Rangers, you know, so it was either either or, you know, I, I grew up as a Celtic supporter, which right. everybody knows, but mm-hmm. that's the way that's the way it was. Rangers at that time are very dominant, so mm-hmm. to be a Celtic fan at that time wasn't the best, but you watch Paul McStay, you watch John Collins, you know, I remember going to Parkhead my first time, it was Boxing Day, I think it was 92, 91 or 92, the United, and big Duncan Ferguson scored for United, I always remember it, you know, yeah. and that that was the first sort of time going to a, a professional stadium and, and a Celtic stadium and, and stuff like that. But although you, you were a Celtic fan, you know, Rangers were on in Europe, um, you know, in the 90s and what a team they had, you know, looking mm-hmm. back and it used to watch the Juventus and Dortmund games and stuff like that. So although you were a fan of Celtic, it never deterred you for no watching yeah. You'd say the other the, the other side are Rangers, if you like. You know, it never it was just the more football you got, the better. Um, looking kind of beyond that, you probably say I, I love the Man United team, the nineties as well, the mid nineties. Um, yeah. you know the the Keens, the the Bruce's, the Palisters, you know, Kinchelskis, you know, Robsons. It was just Saturday night football. Go and watch Man United play. And then, as you said, when we were out playing, you, the boys were the famous kind of with the laces, the lace kind of like the, right. the sharp and all that. It was iconic. And that sort of was, I wouldn't say idols, but you kind of said when Roy Keane went there and how he bossed it and how he policed that midfield. And latterly, you actually seen him when you started to really show a great interest in football. And then latterly, you did play against him. However, at that time, you're saying, who's this guy dominating the midfield? You know, getting it through to Cantona and, and things like that. But as I said, you couldn't get enough of football. If it wasn't for a World Cup or a, a, a Euros on, it was match of the day. It was a preview and I think it was a Friday night sports scene. Mm-hmm. It was just get as much as you can get, try and absorb it and then try and take it out into the, the fields and, and play, you know, get into school. Did you see such and such? You go, I have seen it. Let's go and date in the playground or something like that. Nah. Brilliant, brilliant times. Brilliant. How did you, how did the process come about of getting scouted for Aberdeen? Was there other clubs looking at you as well? Yeah, um, at that time when you start sort of playing under 10s, under 11s, under 12s, and you, you kind of get whispers of there's, there's scouts there, and you can see them. And we probably do the same. When I was out scouting for Queen's Park, you get a jacket on and Aye. you can see a badge. So at the time, people say such and such is watching you up. You just kind of glance over, but it's, it's always, they're always trying to be hidden, but mm-hmm. you always see them. You know, they're always Aye. trying that they scout. You know, you know they're there. So at that time, I was at, uh, I started off at Celtic. Um, they, they did a, a coach um, called Charlie McGarvey, who um, later would become an English teacher, believe it or not. And right. I had not a run in with him, but we'll get to that later. And so 
he, he did the Celtic thing. A lot of boys, all the schools for Dumbarton. He was sort of Dumbarton scout with Brian Eakin and Clyde Bank. Everything came together. And then suddenly it gets win. So then Aberdeen are, are sniffing. And it's like, sort of, that's, that's the way it sort of goes. It's like, well, if we can eat you one night, we can eat you another night. And that's the way the, the process goes. So um, train, I think it was training with Aberdeen. Uh, uh, first of all, it was a letter to say, listen, invited to an Easter camp. And it was up at, uh, uh, the, oh, where is it? M&D's pitch. It was, I think there's a stadium there now. Is it Cal- um, um, Edu Sport or something? Yeah, stadium yeah. Caledonian Braves, yeah. Yeah, so we, we trained on the, there was like a wee patch of grass and we trained there and there must right. have been about 60 boys, all Aberdeen, all Aberdeen um, uh, coaches and stuff like that. And then suddenly you go back to so your training with Aberdeen in a month and then suddenly it becomes like, you're, you're training with Aberdeen on a Monday, Celtic on a Tuesday, your own boys club on a Wednesday and then suddenly games are coming, school football, everything like that. So it was enjoyable, you know, to, to play, but everybody's always about, you know, and I hear it nowadays, you know, you're playing for Celtic at under 11s and all that, and playing for Aberdeen, that, 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 to me, yeah, great, but it's what you do, kind of going beyond yeah. that. So then it came to a stage where you went to high school and they had English, my English teacher was a Celtic scout, so it was a decision I had to make between Aberdeen and and, uh, and Celtic, to schoolboy yeah. forms, really. So it was quite a simple process. I weighed it up and that's where something had a vision. Because I looked at the Aberdeen team, I looked at the Celtic team. Yeah, it's your your boyhood club, but also where, where's the pathway for for youths coming through and, and getting all that way? Looked at the Aberdeen team. Yeah, they might have been struggling for money, but you're looking at all the youths coming through. If Celtic were struggling at the time, they would go and buy somebody, or somebody would come in, and that that that's the sort of process. So to give myself the best possible chance, I said, well, why don't I, I give Aberdeen a um, a chance? Because I had a, a touch it where I was going up Easter holidays, October week two Aberdeen at this time, and it whetted my appetite to get away from sort of the West Coast and get myself up there. And you can actually just hone your skills and, and go into Pataudry every day and, and you know, be away from home, learn how to manage your money, everything like that. So you became sort of grown up. And as I said, laterally, laterally you kind of let it mould you. So... It came out where Celtic offered in, um, in Aberdeen. I don't know Celtic or Celtic where, but there was sort of whispers and that. So I said, no, I'll Aberdeen. Drew Jarvey and John Ward came down to my house and I just turned 13. And they said, listen, there's your, your schoolboy forms, but the hard work starts now. It starts now. You know, there's going to be a lot of distraction um, between now and sort of the end of your school. This is, isn't a form to guarantee you anything. This is a form that we've given you a small chance mm-hmm. to come up through the holidays, they're attached to Aberdeen. However, you're still playing schools football as well. Something Celtic never did. Celtic never allowed you to play schools football for some reason. But as again, the the better, the more the merrier the games came. You want to play them. You don't want to be sort of, all your pals are still at school playing schools football and you're you're missing a game just because you signed a form. And then probably three or four years later, if you don't get kept on, that's sort of been wasted. So that was sort of, again, a, a, a thought process. So again, yeah, the, the pitfalls, everything that comes with it. I'd, I'd done a thing back with Queen's Park with the boys. I said, in between 13 and 17, this is, you can go one way, go the other. It's entirely up to you. It's your own responsibility. So that, that evening, I knew that I wanted to be really disciplined, behaviour at school and, and work hard. And when an opportunity comes and with my, my, my school work and everything, that, that opportunity will be there. As long as I keep progressing and keep... Um, behaving at school and keep learning at Aberdeen when I got with the holidays, everything will be fine. 
But the only problem was, and I signed it that night, I double English in the Monday mo- uh, the next morning. So, and the English teacher, as I said, was the Celtic scout. Aye. <laughs> so I'm like, oh dear, oh dear, here we go. And I went in and he was sort of looking at me and I always remember it, went in. Homework and he said, Listen, you stay behind. But oh, here we go. It was my homework's up to date, everything that comes. I've just been warned last night, you know, to keep stuff up to date and do all your 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 homework and schoolwork. And he said, You signed with Aberdeen last night, didn't you? And I said, Yeah. And he said, How do you know just come and tell me? I said, Well, I was sort of person, you don't want to upset people, you don't want yeah. to, you know, it's it's between the school and there's football, you know. And he said, Listen, there's no no sweat with that, you know, good luck to you and everything. I had done for the next <laughs> few years and you know, still, I spoke to him and went back a few years ago to the school and, you know, brilliant, a great guy. But again, that was the first the first foot on the ladder to say, do you want to be a professional? It's sacrificing between 13 and 17, depending on when you leave school. Do you really want it? Do you really want to work for it? Do you want to discipline yourself? Do you want to sacrifice? And like your youth team days as well, just what were your kind of highlights for your youth team days before you went to first team? Youth team, brilliant. Loved every moment of it. Um, you know, it was a mix, a mixed bag. You know, there was Aberdonians and Glaswegians. You know, it was split right down the middle. Um, some some days it'd be good. Some days the banter would be flying. Some days it wouldn't be. But just just getting up there. You know, the first time it dropped off, and on the Sunday was starting training. The Monday started as a full time player, and you need to go and get changed at the shop because you've no got a car. You've got to go and get a bus. You know, it's that's again yeah. discipline to make sure you get for your first day and whatever subsequent next day you go and buy a bus pass on the Monday so that's your guaranteed your travel you know small things like that that mould you and you no excuses you know how many how much nowadays or oh, I was stuck in a traffic jam or uh, or that overran the time and all that and that's what I'm saying going back to Zoom call be there you know I mean get yourself prepared it's up to you that's what um, John Warden through Javi said it's up to you now um, so that so that kind of Helped me along the way, and as you said, like there was there was great good players within the youth team. A lot of older guys that helped me within it. And the first season we we got to the, the youth cup final, yeah, um, which was which was good. Um, but I nearly missed it because my own stupidity. Where we played a game in February, February or March, and I had a, a slight thigh injury, but I wanted to get down the road. I can't remember what reason. It must have been a birthday or something. I can't I can't remember. And I played with some sort of deep heat on my, I kind of numb my thigh, ended up te- um, tearing it. And, you know, it set me back. So suddenly you were in a youth cup final, but you were a race against time because you're on right. stupidity. So you mm-hmm. learn very early on, you need to be honest. And yeah. the injuries and the physio said, do you know what? Seeing a, a, a wrong kind of way, you were getting down the road anyhow. You know, so you didn't need yeah. to hide it, you know, and we could have, so an injury might have been sort of a week. It was six weeks, I was out six, eight mm-hmm. weeks. And I came back in the, the Wednesday and the, the physio gives a, a good a, a running circuit. And it's really intense, really intense. And the youth team coach, Neil Cooper, said, listen, is he ready? And Sharpie went well, for the bench. He said, no, no, he's going to start. <laughs> but that was an inner desire. I was like, no, I'm starting, I'm ready. No, no this bedding in and, and getting a couple of minutes under your belt. Not that. The determination was there to play. I wanted to play. But the worst thing was, we went one each it was, and then went to extra time. It was 120 minutes. 120 minutes of pain just because Aye. the last half an hour, um, I cramped up calves, hamstrings, everything like that. But you got yourself through it. You know, we we used all the subs. There wasn't a there wasn't a white flag going up and saying, "Listen, off here, listen, lean your teammates now. There's no chance." You were staying on there. Oh, you might have been a pass. I think I ended up up front in the last five minutes, but. 
it was just the, the sort of desire and the sheer will to stay on there and fight through it for your team and yeah you know so that so that was great as I said and um and I was fortunate enough to uh, we'll go and you know, make my make my debut in my first year on the back of that so it was mm. great. Do you remember who your debut was against? The D United Tanadice um the following the following Saturday. So that was, that was a Friday night and the Saturday we went down we went down to, there's, a, there's a good story with this we went down the road so on the bus leaving Aberdeen to go to Perth to play the, the Youth Cup final everybody from Glasgow had all their stuff you're talking about three or four cases and their stereos and their computers all under the bus because after that it was we had to go and disperse and mm-hmm. we were only due back to Aberdeen for I think the Monday and the Tuesday and the Wednesday morning and it was to do SVQs just to sort of tick it off and, and that's it and then you're back down the road and so the next day, after after the Friday, the Saturday came, and it was Arsenal versus Southampton in the, in the FA Cup final. Right. But Southampton were playing Aberdeen in the centenary on the Tuesday night. Right, okay. So back up the road and Monday again in train, you're just sort of really counting down the hours to like, get Monday ticked tattoos and back down the road. But then on the Monday, they said, listen, you're going to be involved on the, on the Tuesday night in the, mm-hmm. in the Southampton game. So... So brilliant, delighted inside. Like, I'll just watch them on Saturday against Arsenal. Awesome. Now I've got a chance to go and play against. Them. Yeah, they might they might take their foot off the gas, but they still when they came, they, they were still a, a strong team. You know, they were still beaty, they were still Wayne Bridge, they were Spencers. You know, they were, so they were all yeah. they were all there. But the my my sort of delight went to sort of like worry because all my stuff was all down the road. So I had that was kind of like like just a couple of tracksuits and whatever. You know what I mean and. So I was like, how am I going to get this? So you have to turn up my collar and tie and um, black trousers and shoes. I had none of that. And I'm like, I don't believe this. I've, you know, you're making, you're getting in there and you're going to get done anyhow with like your clobber because the first team boys at the time were going to slaughter you. So <laughs> I had to go up the stairs and ask for a wage advance and say to them, you know, I've not got all my, my shirts and my ties and my suits and I'm done in Glasgow. I didn't even know I was going to be in. Like, no worries. So the guy can give me an advance about hundred pound or something. I can't remember what it was. So on the morning of the game, you train. You're supposed to get home for a sleep. I wasn't. I was in Union Street trying to buy, trying to buy clobber. <laughs> so and and next, not that way. It's it's sort of like you're nervous. Like oh, well that player like that, but he might he might slaughter me for that and all that. You know, you not nothing for yourself. So you Aye. end up just going. I think going straight in the middle. Um, black trousers, white shirt, and some sort of tie. I can't I can't remember what tie it was. Went in. Still get slaughtered, you know what I mean? So you just still get slaughtered. So all that time spent the nervous energy and next, never get a sleep in the afternoon because I'm getting up and down here and will that player like that, he's going to slaughter me, you know, just complete nonsense. But that's the way you are, you know what Aye. I mean? You just want to blend in, but you don't blend in the first team changing room. So I went there and then I got in the last half an hour, which was great. And then after that, Stevie Patterson or Dunkey Shearer went, listen, you're staying up. You're staying up now because you're going to be in the squad for Saturday. So again, you're like, I've only got the same, I've only got clays and I suit here. You know, my, my tracksuit's down the road, my Aberdeen first team tracksuit's down the road as well. So that was all right. Can you go to the kit man for that? I'm like, I've not got any underwear now. So I'm way back up the stairs again. <laughs> I said, I need more money. because <laughs> So it cost me a fortune that week, but one of the best days, what, weeks of my life, you know, Aye. there was obviously the, the, in the Wednesday, all the boys were all laughing. So now we're going to watch Celtic v Porto. They're all going down the road and having a yeah. few beers and all that, getting prepared for it. So I was up the road in a in a, a room with nothing. My telly was down the road, my computer, my, my DVD player, video, everything was all gone. So I'm <laughs> sitting there, I think it was like with a Sony Walkman, 
you know, just terrible, man. Honestly, we didn't watch the game and then came back in and like that, right? But full, full speed ahead it was to Tandy's. A good Thursday, a good Friday. And then it was like, oh, the butterflies, not you're on the phone. Oh, that's not brilliant. No, I'm, I'm making my, my debut as I did all week, phone my parents and all that. What, what have you done differently in training? Obviously, you've been training with the first team. Right. You know, but you were you were just, you were so excited. You know, you're saying, you need to calm yourself down, you need to calm yourself down. So we went into Pataudry that morning and have your breakfast. And it wasn't until I went on the bus, you're like, right, this is this is quite, this is real now. You know, I mean, it's really, uh, we taste it against Southampton. And you've been about the first team, you know how it works and all that. However, this is game day, this is match day. And it's a new firm derby, you know. Big. Yeah. Obviously, we've been reunited in, in Aberdeen, going back to the 80s. But, um, so yeah, so we're doing, we're doing, doing the road to the A90 and, you know, the fans are passing, the buses are passing. You get up to Anadice, top of the street, and you look down, the bus turns in and all the crowd are there. You know, they're waiting that queue and up Fantastic. And, um, and butterflies, et cetera. I remember going out to warm up. I remember, I remember, I remember. Yes, some guy said, "Who the hell's that? Who the hell's that?" You know what I mean? So you hear somebody like maybe old guy. I don't know. Ah, he played in the youth cup game. Like played against Southampton. All oh, right, aye, aye, aye. I don't, I don't ever, I don't ever know. Him. Do you know what I mean? It was just like, all right, thanks very much. You know, getting Aberdeen um, gear on. So I was out warming up at half time and just your usual stuff, kicking balls and and all that. I get the shout for the tunnel in the corner saying, "Listen, you're going on." Phil Maguire had. It, it pulled up. Yeah, you're you're going on, and then um, so suddenly adrenaline pumping and all that. Fantastic. Went on. I caught a touch of the ball and and big Jim McIntyre, who's from Dumbarton as well. Yeah. And um, he started talking to me. I'm like looking at him. I says, "Are you supposed to be talking to me?" You know, I was thinking as a young boy because when you play youth football, I'm not talking to you. I don't know if it's changed now. No, you're you're really focused and all that. And he's like, how you doing, big man? You all right? No, aye, you've this part of them back, aren't you? My, my dad drinks for your dad, not like that. <laughs> aye, that's right. Aye, aye. See, there's your, your mum and dad and your sister, all that up there. And I'm like, how, how does he know that? Because obviously it's a family section. Yeah. I'm like, aye, so I, we always try to, there was a, a few theories where he tried to put me off, could be one, where there was two, he tried to put me at ease, you know, because it's a debut. But it could be, again, from Barton people looking after them, looking after yeah. each other. You know, we're quite kind of, we know each other within the, the area. It could be that. So there's a number of factors, but we ended up winning the game 2-0 and, you know, a fantastic day and you kind of go home again and you go over for the summer, you're like, wow, I want I want more of that. Mm-hmm. You know, the crowd, the noise, the booing for the United fans, the, 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 the glee and the jubilation, you know, for the Aberdeen fans. It, it was just unbelievable and I was like, you know, I'm going to go away this summer and work even harder to get to get again, to get a taste of that. And see, obviously, after that, the season after that, did you feel confident you would solidify a starting spot, or was it just about keeping your can I keep me uh, place in the team and getting a? More, well, more it was a, it was a, it was a great thing it, it happened because if I'd thought that if I'd thought that going back, then the first day would have brought me right back down there because uh, I was back with the youth team, back mm-hmm. with the youth team again. So it was like if I went in big, he did, and that was man management: Stevie Patterson, Donkey Shearer, Osha Williams. You know, you could have went in, you know, we've only played um, what, 20, 30 minutes against Southampton in a non-competitive game in, in one half. So if I went back and I went down the road and I was like, wow, I've, I'm, I've made it, I've made it, I've made it. You know, how many times have you seen a boy play a handful of games and then suddenly maybe just dwindle away? Yeah. But I knew going away that summer, I would need to work, if not harder than I had the previous year before I went up, because I knew the standards it was to kind of get to the first team, but then it's all about staying there. 
So I'd know, I'd, I never even looked beyond it. It whetted my appetite, as I said, but it never, it never kind of swayed me to say, listen, that's me. I, I, I'm in that. I'm in the first team changing room. Nothing like that. I was back in, in the way changing room again, and you need to start all over again. But I thought that was a masterstroke for, for the, the coaching staff. No, yeah. no, no. He's, he said, let's see his reaction. Mm-hmm. And then they, they can see it. And similar to what us coaches now, you can see it and you can see the sort of desire to, to work hard and work hard and work hard. And then suddenly, one day you get told, you know, when you're going into the first team change room and, you know, sad to leave all your boys behind in the peg that you've had. But a, another big opening, like this is, this is where you want to be. And yeah. fortunate enough, I managed to stay in there for a, a number of years beyond that. And then, obviously, your, your first season, you score your first goal against Kilmarnock. What was that feeling like? It was a great feeling because it was a, it was just after New Year. I think it was the 3rd of January um, against Kilmarnock at home. And fantastic. You know, a, you know, you've been in the first team and, and playing the competitive games, as I said. And, um, you're just out enjoying it because at yeah. that time, you're not really playing with pressure. And I must admit that because when you're a young boy, you see a boy getting in fresh, freshness. Then they end up galvanising boys round about as well. So suddenly, you know, you're just playing away, but latterly, as in my career, you get as older boys take more, obviously, um, uh, burden on their shoulders, etc. But at that time, I just enjoyed my football, going out every Saturday, training all week, going out every Saturday and playing, playing first-team football. And as I said, I always remember it, the ball came in and we'd done, uh, the ball came in, I think with Big Samson, it was in goal, and I think I headed it for about 12 yards out. But there was a great photo I had, that when the ball came in, my eyes were open, and I think they, excuse me, some some um, guy came in and they used that. He said, "Look, if, don't shut your eyes when you're you're heading a ball." You know, some people like that. But if you see a photo, it's the connection. My eyes are wide open. You yeah. know, it was a, a cracking goal that I always remind Sammy when I see him. We were playing, <laughs> we played in the Scotland setup and everything together. But but no, it was a it was a sweet one. And as I said, uh, the roar for that, you know, a defender first and foremost, but to score your first goal in front of the Richard Donald stand into the you know into the crowd and it was it was a, it was a, a good memory. Brilliant. Obviously Rangers as well that season you scored against them, but you also get sent off at Ibrox. What was what happened there? Do you remember what how you get sent off? I remember it. Um, I remember sort of I played. Remember playing Hearts the first game. I remember playing Inverurie Locos in a Tuesday night, and then it was my, my actual first team debut, league debut against Hearts. And that was a baptism of fire. I always remember it was like um, Big Presley, Seve, Big Mark De Vries. You know, it was, oh, it was, you're talking about, um, you know, at Tanadise, this was brutal, man. It was right. like guys up against you, whack, whack, you know, but seasoned pros. I always remember Big Elvis, I was gaining him a bit. I remember, I remember I was young, wet behind, behind the ear, and he was just winding me up, just winding me up. And he said, I met, I met him in Dubai last two years ago, and we spoke about it. and we laugh about it now, but I was winding up. I was like hitting him with stuff and all. But he was just taking it and just standing like that and he slowed right. his voice down and he was just like, you know, don't talk to your elders like that. But that was making me learn sense. And I was, I was, you know I mean? As you, you learn as you go along, as mm. as you say. But then the following week, we, we go to Ibrox and there's a great story um, behind that as well. I would, when we played, when I signed my S form, going way back, and this is where I, I, I say to boys, never, never, um, don't dream about, dream about getting to somewhere, if you if you visualise it, you possibly could get there. So when I was mm-hmm. fourteen, we we're playing the Astrograss outside Ibrox, and it was a half time, and the bus, the Aberdeen bus, came in unknown to me. I was like, "What's that?" And a big commotion, obviously, the history between Aberdeen and, and Rangers, and shouting and the banging the bus and all that. And for a split second, I took my eye off the coach, but he was saying, "I was just, I just admired it." You know, I was like, "Wow, that must be brilliant being on that bus." 
mm-hmm. you know, irrespective of like the rivalry and all, just to be on that, you know, because you'd seen, you know, sort of European games. And I was like, this is unbelievable, this. But the noise and all that. Because everybody was in watching our games. As soon as this bus came, and everybody turned, went that way towards <laughs> the main doors. And I said to my mum my and dad after that, I said, do you know what? I would love to be on that bus. I would love to be on that. I just sample that, you know, to see what that is. Four years later, how is that boy coming off that bus? Yeah. That's what I'm saying, we got boys. Now, have, a, have an idea, uh, visualise what you want to be. Because if you work hard enough, possibly you could get it. You might not, but you've just got to follow that sort of... I wouldn't say it was a dream, but there's a path there for you. So, anyways, yeah. so it's all as I said, it's it's a, it's a good, it's a, it's a small story that I use, but I think it's relevant because yeah. it's like everybody's dream is to be a, a footballer. You know how far do you want to push yourself to do that? So, anyways, came off the bus. I came off the bus, and I think I, I, think I was getting my bag, and I was getting a bit of abuse, and, and I think it was big Russell or somebody turned to me and went like, ah, um, "Do you know them?" I'm like, "I said no." I said, and he said, "Well." You've only played kind of one first team game for Hearts against Hearts. How did they know? I said, listen, Russell, I said, because Russell obviously Aberdonian or, or whoever it was, you know, I think it was an Aberdonian in there. They just didn't understand. I said, but can you West Coast, you're either blue or you're, you're <laughs> green. And I said, there's nothing in between. I said, so you're, you know, and I remember, I remember running out and, um, you know, empty stadium. And I'm like, ah, this is absolutely fantastic. I love this. You know, forget about what you, um, if you're a Celtic fan, nothing about that. It was just like you're standing 50,000, going to be in, you know, the noise, the colour, again, brilliant. But four years earlier, you were outside. You know, yeah. Now you're inside. It's, it's just, it's unbelievable. It still makes hairs in the back of my neck stand up. But, and then I was out and we got in all now. I wasn't well actually in the morning of the game, but I said, I'm not going to throw it to one because then people hang, oh, you've got the white flag up. So, <laughs> um, and then at half time, and it was not niche, and we kind of said, well, Rangers are going to really press us here. And the ball, the second half, Willie Young, I always remember it, just over the halfway line. And I chinned Willie, I sports writers for it, and he said, <laughs> ah, forget it, big man. Um, and the ball came into Russell, and Russell took a kind of bad touch inside. And Avalaji nicked in. And I just, I, I dangled a leg. There wasn't any intent, there was nothing. But you imagine 50,000 fans are, are, are back being for, for blood and they want that card not. And I just couldn't believe it. There was a, another photo where I'm just looking up at it in disbelief. You know, the strip's about four times too big for me. <laughs> and I'm just like that. But then I, I kind of trudged off and, you know, you're getting it for the, the main stand and, and, and all that. And I went, you know what? This is, this is, this is. Yeah, he'd be sent off, of course. You know, Moles was up front and all that. You know, I mean, guys like you'd watched on the telly previously, you know, yeah. a good Rangers team. And then I remember going into the, the press room, I think Emerson was in there. Right. And and he was standing, I think he'd been hooked at half time or something like that. And I was like, geez, oh, Brazilian here, man, brilliant. And and um, he's like, talking away. And like, but I couldn't stop thinking, don't score, don't score, don't score. And then you hear the, no, I mean, you hear the rules, delayed pitchers, bang, bang. I think we could beat 3 0 that day. Yeah. And you're sitting in the changing room, you're just kind of like, you know, because for me, you'd be like, so if you've let your teammates down, yeah. you get sent off and all that and everything like that. But I think Russell had held his hands up, being a proper pro that he was, and just went, listen, that's my fault, I'll take that one. However, you've obviously got the red card and that. So then you're thinking, I'm going to get fined here. You know, you're like, oh, no, the next one. say, that's all right, holding your hands up, you're going to pay my fine if, if, if you do get it. But, but no, that was it. Stayed down that night, stayed down that night, and I got a phone call from my pal. I'm like, ah, what is it? He said, by the way, you've just made me money. I said, well, what are you talking about? He says, um, I had money on you to get sent off. I said, see you, I put the phone down on him. <laughs> oh, just raging. I, was like, I said, I don't believe you've phoned to tell me that. No way. I said, beat it. And then 
boys that had um, like we Jamie Winter who I would play with, and yeah. I played with him in Scotland. But he he texts me he's a big a big Rangers fan. He was at Leeds at the time. We, we, we were in Scotland, and he's like, I can't believe that. I bet you meant that. I said, but see, Jackie, the more and more you tell told people, no, I didn't mean it. It was a true. Life. The more and more people didn't believe it. I just wanted to kick avalanche and you wanted it. I said, no, it was nothing to do with that. So you were fighting a losing battle. Um, and I always remember going up the train on the, the Sunday night. Going up the train on the Sunday. That's what we used to do. Didn't drive on the flat up the train on the Sunday night with a few of the boys. The conductor came down and then he gave me, he says, what about you getting sent off? Because <laughs> the conductor, the last train at night going up to Aberdeen, the conductor sort of knew all the boys over the Aye. years, even if he had sort of been youth team to first team. And he's like, what are you getting sent off for? And I said, I didn't mean it. Ah, no, you gave, you, there must have been a Celtic, but you gave them the three points. <laughs> you know, so, so, um, so yeah, so, so that was, that was memorable, you know, for being on the park, off the park, you know, fulfilling sort of, from outside to inside, you know, it was a, it was a brilliant, not I mean a brilliant day in a, yeah. in a reverse sort of way. And then you, you finish 11th that season and Steve Patterson leaves, like, what was your feeling when that happened and Jimmy Calderwood took the job? We didn't really know. We know there were sort of stories coming out with Steve and well documented yeah. that, you know, he, he did have a problem and, and stuff like that. I never, I never once seen that because I was on his boots and I used right. to go to his office all the time and he just was sitting back and really good for a young boy. You know, we talk about man management and all that. You just throw wee one-liners in and Dunkey would be there and, you know, I just polished my putter the day, stuff like that. I don't need my boots a day. You know what I mean? I'm, I went to Man United and stuff. Just, it was just brilliant as a young boy, you know. Respect levels so high. One, he gave him a debut and two, he was he was always good to me. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, so you see the sort of way it ended for him because it was like a breath of fresh air for him coming in because they both had done well at Inverness and just obviously off-field issues that had subsequently kind of done them in, really. Yeah. The team at the time, I think, I think he had to cut budgets, so he wasn't getting the same quality of player what it had been, you know, when Aberdeen were trying to compete with Old Firm and, and yeah. throwing a hell of a lot of money and, you know, getting foreigners in and, and everything like that. So he probably had to go into a market where he was trusted, i.e. the first vision, you know, sign some good players like Paul Shear and, and Tosha and, yeah. you know, some other ones didn't work. So... One one club one one club in the city. You're always under the microscope, and especially Aberdeen. It's like a village at times, and maybe the pressure and everything off the off the off the field problems. But as I said, like spoke to him when he when when he left, and his book came out. Read his book, managed to get a copy of that for Frank Gulfera, and sent him a message and, and everything like that. I'll always be forever in debt to yeah. him. Yeah, you know that's that's under under no question. But good for me as a, a young boy. You know, helped me. Um, kind of my pathway gave me my debut trusted me to stay within the team because you know a lot of managers might no go with you maybe his, his hand was forced that he had to do that or maybe he just believed in you to kind of go and progress you'll make mistakes along the way however we'll deal with them you know yeah. we'll just deal with them um, as we go along so so yeah it was a sad a sad ending to, to, to Steve's kind of tenure but um, then then Jimmy comes in and you know it was I mean, I, I love Jimmy to bits, love the two of them to bits, and um, speak to him every other week, both of them, when I can, and Brilliant. what they did for me, you're talking about what Steve done, but, you know, the first, they shaped me as a person, yeah. as, a, as a player, and, and as, a, as, a, as a man, you know what I mean, a brilliant, a brilliant pair, but the first sort of time we, we sort of know he's coming in, we get a letter through the door and it's like your, your pre-season programme and it was like eight, 800 metres and 1,500 metres. It's had to be done in like three minutes and five. And you're like, what, what is going on here? 
So first and foremost, um, he, he wanted, you know, to be fit without a shadow of doubt. If you read that, I think a, an alien could come down and read that and go, oh, well, he, want, he wants to be fit. Oh, no, yeah. I didn't really know him. I didn't really know him. I know I knew Jimmy Nicko, obviously, with, with Northern Isle, Man United and, and Rangers and everything like yeah. that. But, um, but what they did at Dunfermline, I'd, I'd obviously watched Dunfermline and they had a lot of kind of boys that had been around the SPL. So I, actually, Jimmy had got a good team at Dunfermline. So that was one of the things that struck me. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, I, I'd been at the cup final. I'd been at the the, the Dunfermline um, Celtic Cup final, and they, they did did well that day. You know, a lot of ex Aberdonian players. You know, the Young Brothers and, and yeah. etc. You know, and Big Brewster up front and all that. Craw and all that Crawford. So an indication I was the first day. Yep, we want to be fit. So we went out of the tree. He came in, outlined his his plans and everything. You know, there must have been about thirty boys in the changing room. And looking back on it, knew it now. That program was designed for people who really wanted to be in his team and other ones who never done it, who think they could just turn up and, and get fit as we go along. It doesn't happen like that. Nowadays, people are, you know, it's like two weeks off and suddenly and they're back into kind of four weeks of conditioning training before they actually come back to preseason. Back then, it was sort of like if you've got eight weeks off, you just maybe do the last three weeks, you know, you can go on holiday and, and eat and, and drink whatever you want. But that was the first sort of time I seen. Well, that's a two-week, three-week program before coming back. You know, I know it's all the range now. Aye. You know, it's going to be hard. So he came in first day and training. Well, no, but no, that boys are like that, and suddenly stopped at one minute, a minute, minute and a half, or something like that. He just says, "No wonder you guys are where you are. A club the size of Aberdeen should never be in the position you're in." I said, "But now I know the evidence. I'm working with some of these on this field. It's taken me a minute and a half, two minutes." She's a stone like statues, feeling sorry for herself, no movement, nothing like no communication, get it lifted within. That, that's, that's me telling it mildly, mm-hmm. you know, but in the Glaswegian accent. And suddenly the changing room started to become, there was less players coming in. There less, um, sorry, less players. It was becoming emptier and emptier, but then the quality was getting signed. The boys that he had there, he knew there was a nucleus of players and then they added to it. You know, he added um, Scott Severin, he added Noel Whelan, yeah. He added, um, you know, just quality players that just came in and, and helped other ones lift it round about. You know, boys there, you know, there was, you know, McNaughton, an incredible player. He's been on record and said, Jimmy came in, breath of fresh air. You know, just an yeah. arm round you. You're a good player. You're an excellent player. Don't need don't need all, all the sort of um, the media. You get, you get yourself right, you're playing for me. Similar to what he said to me, so you're a young boy. He took to me straight away. I took to him, same with Jimmy. Right, you, you work hard. You will, you will stay in my team. Mm-hmm. You know, I've watched you for last season. I think that you can improve. Obviously, you can improve. You're 19. He said, but we can we can work on that. Mm-hmm. But he put Severin in front of me, you know, which was good. We were hiking in. There was Anderson. There was Maguire. Oh, Maguire. There was McNaughton. Mm-hmm. There was Clark. You know, there was um, up front. There was, I think, Derek Adams played at a stage and, and no wheeling. It was gradually, surely, but gradually just building this team together. And, mm-hmm. you know, that was just done. He was off the party, the whole stadium painted. You know, standards, standards just lifted so high. Yeah. Um, even the small things. And see when, obviously, at that time, Russell Anderson, you solidify a good partnership with him. Just how important was he to for your development? And how good was he to play alongside? Yeah, he was good. You know, that that's... You know, when partnerships come and we, we formed that, we, we did that the previous year as well. You know, 
um, Russell was come back with a knee injury. I was, I remember at the cup final in 2000, and he came down with a knee injury. I think mm-hmm. I put him out for about nine, ten months. And I was a young kid in the tunnel to get out to do your 15 second challenge. And then suddenly you're playing alongside him. So again, it's like visualization. Yeah. You wouldn't have thought that, but then you visualize we were good. But then Jimmy came in and he added to sort of protection in front of us, you know, with Severin hiking in. Um, kind of dovetailed it with McNaughton and um, and another left back. You know, it could have been um, Chris Clark. It could have been, I think, I think he went on and signed Richie Byrne at a stage. You yeah. know, there was he always he was always adding. Um, so we, we had a good understanding. You know, Russell was sort of the ball player and everything like that. I was more aggressive, where I would go and try and win everything and and sort of raw and no no really care anything. Um, just try and get the job done and. So it was good in that respect, but we said there was different players all over, Tracy behind us as well. So there was everybody had, had a lift, and everybody felt, you know, we had a great start to that season. I think we drew 0 0 at home to Rangers, went to Tynecastle, drew 0 0, and then we won, I think, beat Dunfermline and beat somebody else. So suddenly, I think we had five or six clean sheets mm-hmm. in a row. Five, five, six clean sheets, went to Tannadice, and um, I'd done my medial there, I'd done my medial at Tannadice, but it was still. He was he was building, you know, if we're not going to score, we're not going to lose. And we were so hard to beat. But with that, we were fat because we could yeah. keep going and keep going and keep going. So so I, it was it was a good partnership. It's one of them, like you look back and say, I it helped us along the way, you know, we pointers here and there. But you were learning all the time off off basically everybody, all your seniors really. Yeah. The next two seasons you you do really well. You finished sixth, then finished third. Just how kind of big an achievement was that to get that far up the league considering you were eleventh two seasons before? Uh, yeah, and that's all I did to the, the Jimmys again. You know, the, the next season we, we add again. We go and get Jamie Smith. We go and get Barry Nicholson. Yeah. We go and get, I think, Lee Muller. You know, I think if Hank Big, Big Lee came in at that stage. But he, he's always adding, you know, and, and keeping the nucleus of the boys with Ricky Foster, not with, with, with a good team. And Langfield came in, you know, we're always building, never, never stood still. You know, mm-hmm. he brought a few foreigners in and, you know, from his Dutch leagues and everything that. So there was a sort of, it was like the Scottish boys, it was the Irish boys, it was the English, but you know, it, it was just, it was good. It was just adding to it all the time. But as you say, progress is always good. And that's, that's what was happening at the football club. No longer were we sort of down the bottom and, and kind of fighting it out with, with kind of relegation. And this, this big club is down the bottom because up there, the people demand it. You know, they, they've, they've had their history and, yeah. you know, Aberdeen shouldn't have been that. And you always get that, the local press of, we are the third biggest team in Scotland. We should be playing. We should be third, if not going for the championship and all that. You say, well, you know, to be realistic in one way. But it was good. Progress was there. Progress was off the pitch as well. You know, the stadium. That's what I mean. It's just wee things all about the place. Standards rose all the time. And um, it kept the players that were in the team on their toes because they knew full well if somebody was no doing the job. Somebody would be behind them ready to take their jersey. So, yeah. And Jimmy, and you bet again, you never wanted to lower your standards. You know, I would run through a big wall for, for Jimmy. And, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, that's where anything, it, 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 I can't credit him enough for what he's done for me. Mm-hmm. The season after the 07 08 season, that will stick out for you for, for a few reasons. Russell went to Sunderland. Who, who came in to play alongside you that season? There was a number. I think, did Lee Mayer come in? I think, did Mayer come in? I think Tuzani came in. Um, I think I played with about seven or eight different partners that year. I think Seve played there. Yeah, we played Considine played there. Yeah. Was that not, not a couple of foreigners that I played there? Um I was sort of maybe I was maybe I was um, no doing my job and I was getting them fired at the team. I don't know. But um but no, it was a great it was a great year, a great year that you know I'd 
I struggled with a few injuries. I'd hernia operations and everything like that the previous the previous years. And, you know, about a, a dip in form as well. And that's when Jimmy again, his man, man, we take you at the team. We what's happening? You know, what's happening off the park? Are you, are you, what are you doing? Are you buying a house? Are you, why are you buying that? Are you buying a flat? You know, why why are you doing things off the park? You know, stuff like that. Showing a great interest, but he did with every single player. So that that season, you know, you were in Europe. And that was first. We qualified. We'd worked really hard to to get there. We, we, I think we beat Rangers in the last day of the season. Seve scores a, a a wonder goal, you know. And Stevie yeah. Lovell um, scores. There's another guy adds quality, Jimmy, with Stevie. And then that season we're in Europe, and you're like, how far can you go? Did we believe we would go that far and and kind of play the teams we did? Possibly no. You know, you you look back and you go, wow, what what a journey that was mm. um, to be on and. You know, it was just a case of, yeah, the league, league form took care of itself, but you wanted to sort of give your best shot at, at Europe. And um, we played Dnipro, no, an unknown quantity. You know, we didn't yeah. really know much about them and Ukrainian football and, and everything like that. But we got a 0-0 drop with Audrey. And then you're saying, OK, we've not conceded. So we gave ourselves a chance. And that's all it is, all it is, a chance. And we went over there. I always remember going over there and they were quite dirty tactics the night before the game. They had flares. You know, I think they must have, had every tyre and and Dnipro burning. It just it was you know, the stadium was just stinking and just smoke coming in. And I always remember they had uh, I think the cheerleaders right and, and we were doing a, a, a shooting drill going into that and they're all behind the goal. And Jimmy's like, nah, this is this isn't the honour. And there were, there was reporters there that they weren't supposed to be reporters. Just anything to put us off. Right. The next minute, Jimmy, Jimmy's like, ah, okay, we'll, we'll turn it, we'll turn it, and we'll shoot down that way. <laughs> next minute, you look to ensure the cheerleaders kind of running <laughs> all behind that goal. Do you know what I mean? Just anything to try and yeah. put the boys off and everything like that. And, um, and that night, I had to take a couple of painkiller injections to kind of play through, play through it. But as I said, you weren't going to kind of. It was your one shot. Fozzie goes down the, the left hand side, cross it in. Daz scores. Daz Mikey scores. Now we've got something to hold on to, and mm-hmm. you know, for the last. 60, well, 45, 60 minutes, we were just peppered for pillar to post, you know. I think we kept, they hit the post, they hit the bar. I should, I should have scored to make it 2-0. I look back on it and I should have scored that header just before half-time, which made it comfortable. But I think Seve played midfield that night and he said, only get three touches a second off. Everything was just <laughs> back and forth, just like that. It was just waves you have to And they scored, I think it was, was it Conor Palanca, but it scored for them. You could right, okay. guy. Yeah. Um, um, I think it was him and, and then we're like, we've got we need to hold on here. And that it was a big um the old sort of uh, clock where it kind of all the wee bulbs all kind of tick off and we're like, oh, this clock's not moving, it's not moving. Is there a bulb? Oh come on. And it was going round and suddenly it got to 90 and that now it goes 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 there and it doesn't stop. And you're like, um, right, what's stoppage time then? And suddenly the whistle went. I think every player just fell to their knees, you know. <laughs> The adrenaline kicked in. You're thinking, oh, what a what a night this is going to be in, in the airport. You know, Jimmy got um, interviewed and said it was the best night ever, best career um, result he's had. And, you know, boys are all hugging themselves. But it was even when we get back to the changing room, it was like big armchairs. They had them were just like, ah, we're all slumped in them. And <laughs> even that, he put us off. It wasn't a changing room, it was like a pavilion. And they're just lying like that. And boys are like, I get the music on, but I tell you, boys were absolutely knackered. And then suddenly you're like, ah, you maybe, maybe get a... Um, I drank and then suddenly the, the, the sort of with me, my hernias, not adrenaline Aye. wears off on the flight home, and then suddenly you've got an odd game on Sunday. So that put us into Europe, which which was unbelievable, a great achievement because in the back of that, Celtic and Rangers had qualified as well. Yeah. Suddenly knew we could do our bit for Scottish football. Uh-huh. 
And then obviously you score against Locomotive Moscow, but the the tie I want to touch on is the last 32 tie with Bayern Munich. Just what was it like to score against a team like Locomotive Moscow? And then the, just what was your memories of the game against Bayern Munich? Moscow was brilliant, you know, it was it was great to, to kind of score in Europe for, for Aberdeen. Not many, many players have done that and you, you watch them over the over the years. But it was great because at Petodri there was Neil Simpson was always there. So yeah, and Willie, Willie Miller was always there. And, um, so you always ask them, what are the nights like? And they say, just soak it all in, you know, mm-hmm. soak it all in. You know, the, the Petodri crowd will get behind you. Compared to a normal league game at times, there might be mumps and groans, but there's just always a change. European nights... No, no matter where they are, the crowd are always with you. So the first game we went to Greece and get pasted free, not in our Panathinaikos, like, oh, yeah. they play Moscow. So I think the ball, ball comes in and, you know, just Baz puts a, Barry Nicholson puts a great ball in, you go up and you knock it in, the, the, the roll, it feels brilliant, you know, and all the boys, and then suddenly, and they scored just before half-time, it was Abanovic that scored just yeah, before right, half-time. Yeah. That, knocked, that knocked the stuff, he'd already agreed to go to Chelsea, um, just with the Russian league and all that. But that knocked the stuff in it a wee bit. Um, we thought we had a, a really foothold in the game, but it just kind of kind of pattered out. It went to, so one each, it finishes, went to Madrid, get beat 2-0 over there, going on about four or five. And then suddenly the way the groups kind of worked, it was, um, we had a free night. And then suddenly the results went away, beat Copenhagen, managed to beat them. And then, like you say, we go to Bayern. So mm-hmm. the Bayern thing was just, because that the draw, the, the draw for a Bayern game is quite funny as well. We were, we Played the night before against Copenhagen, Petodre. We never, <laughs> we never sent a representative or because nobody thought we would actually get through. So when we ran in, there was no link to it in Petodre. We had to go to a wee, the wee bowling club, a wee golf club just across the road. Right. So half the boys were still getting recovering and all that. Boys are all in, we're all waiting. To go. We were the first out the heart, believe it or not. And it goes to Aberdeen, it's just an empty chair. You know, it's one of them gags, you know what I mean? It's like, well, who is it? The guy, the guy's across the road who's supposed to be there, still his office in, in Aberdeen. He's supposed to be, wherever it was, it might have been Switzerland or something. So just this blank chair with the wee Aberdeen bit of card. So it just showed you what, what maybe the, the directors thought. We're not paying a flight over there because we're going to get beat out of Copenhagen. Um, so, so... First team out, Aberdeen, second Bayern, and, like, and boys are just looking at there. You know, we're in this sort of the, in this pub, social club, whatever you want to call it, you know, the, the bar. You know, just like the surroundings are just like, we shouldn't be really sitting in here, we've just been drawn by a Munich. So then the other boys come across, all right, that's us in, we're like, listen, draws over, guys. Like, what are you talking about? I said, we've got Bayern, I good. And say, so we're first out the hat and we get Bayern Munich. <laughs> I'm telling you, that's what it is. So suddenly, because we're playing Rangers, I think, the next day after that, because Europe was like the 20th, and then Rangers were the 22nd just before Christmas. So we didn't yeah. really have time to sort of really soak it in. We get That's what happens in Europe, and that's mm-hmm. why you always say, you know, see the teams that can keep going every three days, you know, in yeah. elite status. I think it's fantastic and looking at that now, because the fitness that we had to have that year was unbelievable. But to try and match that by going for league titles and, and, and challenging all fronts. So, so yeah, so Bayern Munich, Remember the home ties? I snuck into Petodre, believe it or not, the night before. Um, went in the players' lounge, went up and sat and watched them. I was like, wow, I'm going to be playing. Who stood, who stood out in that team? Oh, everybody, everybody. <laughs> you know, see, watching them train the night before, just watching them train, you're like, you know, Schweinsteiger and, you know, look at Tony, Miroslav Kossa. Um, you know, just uh, who big Van Boyten was there, you know, Sanyo. Yeah. You know, you, you know you're, you're watching them for afar. Um, and look, man, say, well, and then fast forward, you're in the tunnel against them. You know, the, the, the atmosphere's on Alton top, the Turkish guy. 
you're playing against him, you're just like, wow, this is this is unbelievable. You know, you've watched these players, World Cups, Euros, you know, Miroslav Kosa was a golden boot winner in 2006 yeah. or something like that, you Aye. know, so, and suddenly he's rocked up in Aberdeen, you're probably like, well, who are these people, you know, so, fantastic, you know, managed to get a two-each draw, which I thought we deserve, I thought we deserved a bit more. I don't know if the Germans or the you know, Bayern took their kind of foot off the gas, but, we thought they were there. It was a dubious penalty they got. I think we, Alan Mabry, had um, and gave it away. And so suddenly, yeah, we're going over there. And remember playing at Easter Road on the Sunday before we flew out to Munich, and the, the presser always say, hey, "You got, you got a chance of going over there and beating them." I think I just, <clears throat> and being honest, I was like, "Well, off record, no." <laughs> you know what I mean, it's like you need to be like, you're going to go over there and give it your best possible chance. Of course you are, but you need to be realistic. You're in Bayern's backyard. Yeah. They've got an array of stars who they can call upon. You know, at that time, Cruz was just a young boy. They brought Oliver Kahn back. You know, he didn't play the first leg. They brought Lucille back. You know, so you're like, and we always remember the night before, and we flew we flew over there. You're driving to the airport, and and uh, you see the big stadium, you know, lit up red, and you're like, well, I'm going to play in there. You go the night before, it's all empty because it was a capacity because of the history between Aberdeen and Bayern. So, Full house it was, it wasn't half empty, full house, the flags, you know, unbelievable. And you come out the tunnel and it's all red. And you're like, well, they've the Podolski's there and they've put they've taken him back in again. And so the guy, you, know, you always remember, you know, can can you go over there and get something? Lucio to amazing run the first 30 seconds and smashed the crossbar. You know, like, this is going to be <laughs> one hell of a long night. Um Van Bommel played as well. So it was just like the, the this array of stars had just said, right, well, listen to each. Might have taken it a bit lightly. Scottish team, it's Aberdeen. Okay, we'll just go, we'll get all of our can back and all that. They must have had about 500 caps in their backline. <laughs> Lucy O'Can, Sanyo, you know, players like that. You know, Lamb, Philip Lamb. Yeah. You know, you're just like, wow, honest to God. But but no, it was a great it was a great journey we were on. And, um, you know, we enjoyed every moment of it. As you said, we only, I think we, we never, we won one game of football in Europe that year, but played eight games. You know, it's right. it's quite fascinating when you look at it like that. Brilliant. You go on to the, the next couple of seasons, obviously one of the highlights would be scoring two goals against Celtic in a four two one. Were you were you really enjoying your football at that point? Yeah, I was. Um I'd say on the back of that season we were a wee bit disappointed uh, the the way the, the previous season had ended, also with the Queen of South um, semi final yeah, and the United yeah. one. So we're very disappointed in that. You know, we'd played in Europe with um we, we 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 let ourselves down, and you know what I mean. And, and there's no uncertain terms that there's no excuses for that. So um so yeah, getting into the next season, and you know it was to build on what we've achieved. You know, build on what we've achieved, and loved my football, loved it because mm. at that time again, but we had a wee slump. I always remember before when we beat Celtic, we went third that day. But I was in October, we were bottom. I think we were yeah. down at Falkirk, and at that time. Um, no, within you. Sorry, I just signed a new contract as well. The previous season, within that European campaign, and it was myself, Michael Hart, Barry Nicholson, and Chris Clark, and the three left, and I signed because I just love playing for. There was offers, of course, but I always remember um, my dad said, "I think they guys get actually pelters for it when they were playing." And my old man he said, "Listen, I'll be you in a few years' time." And I was like, "I need worries, not that, but it did happen." Anyways. So that, that season, we were October and we were bottom of the league. I think, and we're like, oh, how, how have we went here? You know, second season, we were in Europe, we got everything, all the plaudits, and we started to win games of football, win games of football. And that day, you know, 
know, everybody knows that he scored two against Celtic and he said he grew up um, supporting them and watching them. But to, to score two games, but, but it, was quite, it was quite funny because on the week leading up to it, Jimmy called me into his office and he went, listen, Xander, he said, you're putting on too much weight. You're putting on too much weight. Now, people who know me <laughs> have always been really thin. You know, I... I I can I just lose weight for fun and uh, I'm bizarre. I've been always been quite um, slim. I said, I don't get what you mean there, Gaffer. He's like, no, really. And your body fats have come back and they're just no good enough and all that. Fair comment, you know, if that, that's okay. So I went down to Glasgow. We had a couple of days off. I went down to Glasgow and I was out with my old man having a few, just a few beers, just a few relaxing beers and just talking about it. Saying about I gaffer's caught me fat and all that and all that. talking about that. So a couple of his, his mates and all that. I you're playing Celtic Sunday, don't you be doing that? Don't you be scoring and all that? You do this and all that. I knew all the usual stuff you heard throughout your career, you know. If you're playing Rangers, yeah, you score against them, and then Rangers fans will say, Don't you score all the usual stuff. So um went back up and uh Sunday the game day came. So when I scored the first goal, I ran away and I kind of mimicked that being I mean about fat. So everybody ran down to my, my messages and went, Wow. Congratulations and patting on the back and all that. And my mistress like, oh, what do you mean? He's like, ah, well, you're pregnant, aren't you? You're pregnant. He went, no. He said, Jimmy caught him fat um, Tuesday. So, <laughs> so it's, it's all right. I'm okay and all that. But her mum and I had been watching it in the telly and seeing me. So next minute her phone's going, see stuff like that. And they're like, oh, no, no, no. It was, it was the manager. So that was all right. But it was a dubious goal because it went in. And it was, it was you know, I mean, you see the header that goes in. But the Dougie McDonald to blow in the whistle. But it was after it. And... It was, I think, Daz had been getting pulled by Van um, Venegood or Hesselink. But I'd come round the back and put the ball in the net. So mm-hmm. there was a wee bit of confusion. There was great. And Jimmy's kind of looking bemused. What's going on? And then suddenly the goal gets given. We all kind of celebrate. And then a couple of minutes later, Charlie puts another good ball in again. And, and I go and, and, and put it in. But when I put it in, always when I ran to my friends um, in the corner, Aberdeen fans, his, his father, and um, his, his father helped um, taught me how to drive and that and had yeah. many a night out with him and all that and, and dinner and all that. But him just was laughing. But I was laughing for two things. Laughing because I'd scored the second goal. Laughing because I was going out to his corner and I said, like, fans are all there kind of giving you. But I was also laughing about the guys that were sitting with my dad because my dad was doing in Glasgow. So all the guys that were saying he shouldn't have been doing that, they're all sitting. So I could actually tell who would have been shouting at the telly and who would have <laughs> Got so my dad said he never needed to put his on his pocket. I said, So you're so you're taking money on the back of Celtic getting getting beat, you know, you know the Rangers fans got there and you go, Well done, all that, well done the day and all that. Um but the the following week we were playing Rangers, so it was flipping, you know Aye. what I mean, again. So but there, yeah, we went into third and and after the game we're walking in the tunnel and Jimmy Nichols laughing and you know, the, the gaffer um, called over goes like that to me and says, you know what, big man, thanks very much. I've never won against Celtic, so I'm happy that you've done it. For me. <laughs> you know, I'm happy you've done it. And then Jimmy Nichol pipes up, he goes like, right, lads. He says, see if any one of you is the more come in sober, you are getting fined. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I really annoy boys are all laughing, but that's it, you know, I mean, that was the way they were. They were just Aye. like, you know, no, no taking that actually seriously. It was just like, you know, having a laugh and a joke and, and Sandy Clark was there at the time. And obviously we know all their connections being like, being Rangers fans and, and playing for Rangers and all that, but it was just wee jokes like that. It just, it just helped it along and, you know, it was, it was, a, it was a good evening. It was a good day, you know what I mean? And then obviously floods of messages on your phone. Right. Brilliant. Because uh, when J- Jimmy left, obviously, and Mark McGee got the job, how did you feel about that? 
I felt I felt good. I thought in the beginning, um, Jimmy shouldn't. Well, at the end, I hadn't I hadn't played the last few games. I had to clean up my ankle um, right. the last the last sort of month, and it, we were. I think we're playing Hibs in the last day. But if we win that game, we're in Europe. Yeah. So I always remember, and it was Liz Clark, Sandy's wife, and that's that's, that's what happened. The way the way Jimmy and that set it up, it was like all the families knew each other. It was like back to Sir Alex Ferguson days where. He still knows players and Christmas card and all that. It was just like Jimmy had that as well. He right. knew your your kids, your your family, your sister, your you know your your brothers, not brilliant. So Liz had said to me, "Have you heard the news?" And I was like, "I said, well, no, what is it?" And said they get sacked on the Friday. We were playing the Sunday. I was like, no, no, I could feel myself well enough. She was well enough, and it was just if somebody had, I had to keep it in check because mm-hmm. people in the players' lounge and they hadn't revealed it yet and. Yeah. We always went up after the season to Richard Donald stand and had a wee sort of a meeting and a few beers and all that. And then he announced it out and then obviously the press are outside and everything like that. And and looking back on it now, I, I probably never, it probably hit me as hard as anything and subsequently the, the last couple of years at Pataudry. Yeah. Looking back and analysing it. But at the time, I didn't realise that. You know, I just thought, okay, he's he, he sort of moved on. And then I was in, I think I was in Mexico and the news came through that Mark, Mark McGee had come in. I was saying, brilliant, new ideas, fresh ideas, and see what it's about, you know, same dedication, everything. I mean, new manager comes in, the club's yeah. obviously wanting to go in a different direction. It's gave its reasons, and we'll see what happens. And, um, you know, was, I was still sort of suffering a wee bit. When I met Mark the first day or two, he'd say, listen, we want to sort of build a team around you, etc. At that time, I had a couple of niggles, I had a couple of offers to sort of go elsewhere I was still two years in my contract at the time yeah. but I was kind of like I wouldn't say I was thinking about leaving there were just offers there but the offers that were on a go they wanted to see you playing because of your ankle injury it was like the way the English league what they start later you know we were Aye. we were sort of first we were a few weeks ahead of them so I missed I missed a lot of pre-season missed the, the Sigma game where we get knocked out and yeah. won Aberdeen's heaviest defeat so didn't play in any of the legs and then it was sort of a rush job back to play Celtic, you know, in the first day of the season. The way the fixtures went, Mark had said, you know, he was in for the Celtic job. Tony Mowbray got it, and Aberdeen was was obviously the second choice. And mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the way the, the, um, the fixture computer comes up, they would always going to be happening. Okay. I remember getting up, we were okay, and then um, I get concussed midair, hit, I get smacked by head, and then fell down. And I kind of came into the ground with my ankle, right. and kind of broke my other ankle. At the time, didn't know because everybody was focused on the head and, and and the concussion side of things. And and I tried to get out and I was walking. There was something not right in my ankle here. There was just something not right. Twice I tried to come back on rehab and it kept breaking down. And then we got to the bottom. We had to go to um, Sterling with Gordon Mackay, um, the, the famous surgeon, a good surgeon in, in the West Coast. And, yeah. And um, he he it was it was like an acute bone in the back of. Um, Achilles that was just fraying and obviously getting in the back of the Achilles with any operation everything like that so I had to get operated on again on my opposite ankle on my other ankle got that done yeah the team was, was struggling you know you can't do anything about it sort of the teams that were in for you sort of well you're injured now well nice. we're going to come in for you you know because irrelevant and then we get to Christmas and I was kind of got myself back, got to rehab. Took about, I mean, a good kind of six, eight weeks to sort of really diagnose where the actual injury was. So it was a long time out to get it diagnosed. And then obviously the rehab and the operations, everything. And I got myself back and I was training. Um, I'll always remember, I, I training. Um, 
first day back at training, me Nicky Clark had banged me and it hit my nose, just banged me, hit my nose. And suddenly I'd broke my nose. This was at Christmas mm-hmm. and it was fraying, it was blood and it was just losing blood in my, my body. And it was just a hellish time. So I had to go and get an operation just on the 23rd of December to get my nose fixed. It was just, oh, it was just like, what, a, hell of a hell of a year, if you actually think. There's three operations within that one year. A new manager's came in. The team's sort of struggling because of that. I mean, you've grown up in the city. You've grown up as a young boy through the ranks. Yeah, almost like it's your team now. It's you not know I mean, yeah. there's a real affiliate and affiliation with them. And you're, you're sitting there, you're sitting in a stand, just just helpless, basically. And then um, the clock strikes midnight and said, OK, we'll get that year away and we'll try and hit it, hit the ground running. So rehab again, everything like that. So I never probably started another game. I think it was to the February or something like that, maybe early March. And at that time, we were in the bottom six. And, mm-hmm. you know, the games are just... At that time, did we have the players, probably players that are not been used to in a dogfight battle, you know, Hamilton seemed to do it every year because they, they tried and tested they know it suddenly yeah. we went into that level we didn't know how to deal with it you know and it became the season sort of pitters out and pitters out and pitters out and, and then I'm suddenly into one year left in my contract and you know you go away and, and suddenly well teams would probably wait for you or, or etc you know but at that time there was a, a whole range of emotions you know I lost a lot of form no. probably the the, I probably had to sort of take a step back because my injuries weren't clearing up. My, I wasn't fit enough because I was getting rushed back. So there was a combination of Jimmy no being there. Right. You know, it was just like, you know, suddenly you're sort of comfort blanket or somebody to go and see. I'm not saying Mark and Scott weren't approachable because they certainly were. They just weren't in a way that I, I was used to be Jimmy and Jimmy Nickel and stuff like that and Sandy. So sort out advice and everything like that for them. But then suddenly the, the new season starts to make we win four 0 against Hamilton. Paul gets Paul Hartley gets a hat trick. I scored one and suddenly we're half and running again. Have we turned a corner? Yeah. Um the proof is sort of later in the, the months, wasn't it? Aye, the game that will probably stick out to you was the, the game at Parkhead. Like was yeah. that obviously finished nine 0 Was that the worst game you can remember? And just what went wrong that day? I think everything went wrong. I think if you actually, I think if you actually look at our team, it was quite a young, a young team. Yeah. You know, at the time, obviously you're talking about senior players and all that. Was that I was only, I was, so your senior player, you've been around a bit. So I, I was, I was what twenty four at the time. You know, you would Jack in, with Jack Ryan Jack in there. I think with Clark Robertson, with Chris Maguire, with Josh McGuinness. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Paul, Paul Hartley gets sent off. Paul Hartley gets sent off. At, um, I can't remember one 0 or two 0 Right. Um, everything that everything that Celtic hit went in. Everything that we blocked ricocheted to them. You know, it was just a case. Of, we just weren't. We, this Celtic were ruthless, probably really, really ruthless. You know, they get two penalties. There was decision making within the game that probably players would never do again. You know, you look at we Chris Maguire passing the ball square, and Celtic I think Stokes he just puts it in. You know, mm-hmm. just things like that. Ball goes over my head, and it's a tap in the back, but. Or hurt person, no, it was just wee things like that. That, but at the time, as I said, I was struggling with my form. You know, you're not, going to, you're not going to go to a manager and go, Listen, by the way, I'm I'm struggling, I need to be removed for the team. That's no for my I want to play every single game Aye. for Aberdeen and every single game if I can contribute, contribute. But at that time, I, I know myself, I wasn't performing to my standard, and it's like people can say, You need to get back to basics. So, how do we get back to basics? This is what I'm trying to now figure out. It's coaching, you know, you do and you do the simple things, of course, you do. But you need everybody as well. You know, you 10 men at Celtic Park, they were on it that day with a young team. What are they feeling? You know, it was just, there were so many different um, kind of 
what could you say to it? Different combinations that got yeah. it, it led to our downfall within that game. People look back on it and they go, ah, ah, well, he was a Celtic fan. He allowed the goals, you know, don't talk utter tripe. You know, that was another thing it get labelled to me. Went into the press afterwards. And I think the boy had said to me, he said, oh, uh, um, there was a, I think the ball came back and I chested it back. I think one of the reporters had said, did you know think about putting the ball in to, to make it 10? And I just, I just, I, I think I walked out or I, I said, I refused to answer that. But I think I said, well, I'll give him a bit back. I can't remember who it was. I was like, I said, what a, what a bad question to, yeah. to ask. You know, but we were hurting. Don't get me wrong, we were hurting. And as I said, we dust ourselves down. You, you need to get on with it. You know, there's with an odd game the next, I think, three days later, four days later against Inverness. So, yeah. yes, it was 9-0. And I get what Mark McGee says. I, I do get it. But also the context. Mark says, listen, it's only three points. Right? That's what he said to us. But obviously, he, he, I think he said it out with. Right. I, I, I get what he says. I get what he says about that. But it's obviously the humiliation and everything like like that. Um, it comes with it. I get he's thinking. But also, you also need to look at the grand scale of things and, you know, the presser are ready to jump down your throat. So yeah. that didn't really, you know, the combination of even Mark saying probably about wanting to be a Celtic manager and then the, the Sigma game, you know, the defeats for that the previous year, or there was fallout with the fans and then we're going to get pasted 9-0. You know, there was a combination of things and it became sort of toxic. You know, some, some of the abuse he received was unfair and unjust, totally. But... You know, people say, well, they're entitled to say that. Some of the things that you sort of heard at Pataudry getting shouted at was just, just not nice at all. Yeah, we were struggling, yeah. but you just don't do that. You don't do that. You know, this is a day and age where, you know, we're talking about being kind, but way back then it was still the exact same, you know. So I felt for him. I really did. Um, but obviously the results dictate and, you know, he moved on. Yeah. Yeah, and obviously Mark McGee kind of pays for his job with that, that kind of result. But Craig Brown comes in. How excited are you to work with him? Brilliant. I remember the, um, Neil Cooper and Paul Hartley actually took the team at Tynecastle and Craig and Archie had come in and I'd worked with Archie in the, the Scotland under 21. Uh, so I kind of knew his, his sort of makeup and, and everybody sort of knows, who, who knows Archie, you know what I mean? He's <laughs> he's sort of old school and I love that. I love the old school side of things. He'd been there, he'd probably put a few against the dressing room walls um, at Pataudry, you know, in his first time, but he got that team, obviously, the, the famous team of the Gothenburg Greats and everything. Yeah. So he's walking back in, probably seen a club that's in, in a demise again. Someone, I mean, Jimmy walked in, you know, how do we lift this group of players? Because in a way, you don't become bad players overnight. You know, certain factors will dictate how your sort of your career goes and, and whatever. It could be bad luck, it could be sort of just things just don't don't um, come off for you. They came in. And we get bang, we battered five not ten castle. And I always remember a supporter outside and the true fans is that listen, Zander, please don't let this club go down. Don't let it go down. You know, because we were, we were sort of we couldn't we couldn't get out of the rut we were in. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly we sat, I think we went to Hamilton, we beat Hamilton, and suddenly they started to put factors um and how to sort of win games of football, be ruthless Archie. Craig was sort of like the the nice guy, and he would talk to you, and a really nice gentleman, a nice, to be in his company, it was, you know, he led obviously Scotland at that time to their last major, and sit and listen to him, brilliant, but actually was sort of like, really on it, really on it, really on it, really on it, you know, he cornered me in the first day, and he said, listen, your standards have got to improve, I said, well, I totally agree with that, but, you know, I'm trying, there's nothing right. you can really do, you know what I mean, he said, well, keep going, keep going at it, I said, no, I mean, that was that we sort of, I'm marking your card here, but I know you can do it, it was just, it was, 
man management, you know, Marchie has been second to none with man management over the years. So yeah. just that we sort of, and that gives you that we sort of energizer. And then suddenly, you know, we, we play Celtic in three day, three games in about eight days or something like that, two semi-finals, a league game. And, you know, we just been, every time they came around, it was a 9-0 game, it got reference, reference, you know, just every, it always seemed to be Celtic we got in the semi-finals. There was never another club that was Celtic. You know, that season it would just be forever. Celtic were just playing Aberdeen all the time and take that X amount of goals off them, etc. So... So yeah, so it was it was good. You know, what I mean, I, I love I love Craig's company. I'm very honest with him uh, from the get go with him, and um, you know he was very honest with me as well. Brilliant. Yeah, that was obviously your last season, and you you leave at the end of that kind of contract talks as well. Well, how do you look back on your time at Aberdeen? I loved that. I loved every moment of it. Um, I knew sort of towards the end there was sort of the the crowd had turned, and no longer they were by your side. You know, if you you look at the they started using things. Um, I'm not saying the majority of them, 100%, fantastic. You know what I mean? There's always a minority that will always say, well, he meant it against Celtic to get beat 9 now. will say, well, these are the same fans that cheered and was off for you when you scored two against them. So how does that work and all that? So it was different things were getting used against you for their, their own sort of leverage and everything like that. Um, and then suddenly the, the hearts thing had broke that, you know, I wasn't signing a new contract because, like I said, I'd been honest with Craig and they were offering me a new contract. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the contract was there. Craig was quite um, open about that. But I said to him, I said, I need to move. I said, I, I just have to, to move out from out with the city to a new club. If it's a new club within Scotland, great. If it's out down to England, even better. But I said, even if we win two cup finals and win the league, I know we're a wee bit exaggerating. I said, I, I, still, I still won't be staying. I said, I need to go. I said, I'm stagnating. I'm not enjoying my football, first and foremost. Privately, we couldn't, me and my, um, my, uh, my wife now, my missus, we couldn't, we couldn't enjoy we're, we're off the park, going for meals, etc. like that. And, okay. You know, there was, a lot of, there was a lot of factors again and suddenly, you, people were supportive and all that. Suddenly now, it was, you know, and, I referenced my, my friend who's a staunch Aberdeen fan. Even he started to go and speak to the boys. You know, he'd known fans. I said, listen, get a break. I'm a fan as well. We're all hurting. You know, there's, there's times and places and everything like that. You're playing a game of snooker. People are coming over, having a go at you. And you're just like, you know, relax. But that's what, what happens with the, the one club within the city. They think they, they, they've got a right to come up. And supporters in general. But I said, I mean, I've got to be happy with it. I went in there as a 10-year-old. Nice. And left at 26, you know, 15 years, 16 years at a football club, you know, all the way through, seeing the highs, the lows, the European football, um, the group stages, just probably look back and say, could we not have got to a cup final? That's probably the one lingering thought, as you know, for Jimmy and or for when we were Craig and Archie, you know, just to get a cup final, just to sample it, get the fans down and, and see what it's about. Could we have done enough opportunities to, mm-hmm. to do that? We just ultimately feel, and I think that's where maybe the club wanted Jimmy to kind of. Um, go because he wanted somebody in to kind of take us to that next step. It didn't really happen until Dell came in. Yeah. But um, I look back on it fondly. As I said, um, I, I, the turning point was we played at Tannadice and you know, there, the, you know, where it started and it sort of kind of ended in my mind that I think I went up for a head and I get smacked my elbow and I'd burst here so just like absolutely blood pouring. Yeah. And there was like a section of the, the supporters that had, had cheered it. You know, I'm running down the touchline. So that same touchline that I, I, I did when I was an 18-year-old coming on I was now going down there at 26 and they were cheering me because you'd hurt yourself. And I went home that night and I went, I think that's the final, the final sort of straw there. 
you know, if my mind was not made up, it was made up, but that that actually rubber stamped it. And um, you know, I just said I need I need out of there and, and kind of move on and, and get out, reignite your own career for your own self. You know, you could have stayed there for another couple of years and just sat there and, and, and be one of them part of the furniture. But no, I wanted yeah. to do a wee bit of freshness to reignite myself again. And were you keen to try England and is that why you chose Oldham? Was that sorry? Were you keen to try England and was that why you chose Oldham? Yeah, no, it's well documented. I spoke to Hearts and they, they tabled an offer. They tabled an offer, but it just happened that they, they weren't too happy with what showed up in the, the, the scan report. So that, right. that's fine. You, you move on. And, you know, as I said, I'd played over 100 games after I had operations. So there was no problem there. But it cut a long story short. Yeah. So again, you're in the summer. And I remember training with wee Desi Young and we were training in. I think Desi, I don't know if Desi was still there. And I think he'd been released. And I'd obviously left my own, own fruition. And two were like, wow, you know, suddenly you were so secure in contracts and all that. You're like, you know, that's the first ever time in my whole career. But then Paul Dickoff um, phoned me. And um, I'd worked with, I'd seen Paul with the Scotland set up and everything like that. He was with the first team. And he said, why don't you come down and try try Oldham? Yeah. Why, why not? Do you know what I mean? So straight down, didn't in Manchester. Stayed in Manchester up to Oldham. Um, and within a couple of days Paul had said listen um, we want to sign you you know get the formalities done sell your house everything you've got to do up in Aberdeen we will wait on you he says because and that was a fire back in my belly it was like getting in there tried and tested proving yourself to these players that you're coming down for Scotland to sort of play and, and you're not just going to be one of these players that's just down for the for, no, for one year or whatever I wanted to come down and prove myself Paul a couple of days listen you're signing so that was great. We got an apartment in Manchester and then suddenly, sorry, when I was doing in trial, you're sitting having a coffee, reading the papers, and nobody noticed you. That was the, the breath of fresh air even as well. You're relaxed off the park and nobody noticed you. Whereas in Aberdeen, you couldn't do that. You couldn't have your coffee, couldn't have your, you know, a meal and all that. So suddenly now, it was a wee bit of living space again, a wee bit uh, of air. It felt there wasn't suffocation or anything like that. Me and the missus moved out, got an apartment in Manchester and loved it, loved it. We should have, should have stayed that longer, but there was obviously contract things, but loved every moment of that. And then obviously you move on to Burton Albion. Was that, was you excited to work with Gary Rowett when you went there? Yeah, well, you know, I mean, Gary again, you know, what he's done for his career, you know, Derby, Birmingham, you know, Stoke. Um, remember the, the contractual thing happened at uh, Oldham where they couldn't honour your agreement if you'd played 30 games 30 starts then you'll get an automatic year again so suddenly I'd started 29 and then Paul Dickoff brilliant honest guy he just said listen I can't start you because we can't honour your contract Paul didn't need to do that but Aye. really honest really honest you know and said listen I don't you don't need to come into train if you don't want to because it's no right for what they're doing it's the club side of it but never no I went in trained and there was a good, 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 um, good array of boys in there, and so yeah. So went up the road, and I was like, you know, I, I want to stay in England. What to stay? He got the call for Gary, and he said, right, why don't you come down to the training ground? I okay, back down the, the M6 again. Me and the message back down again, and uh, past Manchester, I was further on down Stoke across the Derby, and I'm like, right, hey, well, where are we going through that? Right, the next minute, this is England's training ground here, right? And then what? Like, this, this is this must be a rank place. I went, Gary was standing there, how are you doing? I was like, well, is this the training ground? He went, aye. So at that time, just built it, 120 million, England FA. Said, I we use this? And I'm like, no way. This is, the only time I'd been at Aberdeen, we never had a training ground. 
you know, it was it was strange. We're the third best force in Scotland. Never did training ground. So suddenly now Aye. you're going somewhere. You know, the pitches immaculate. The 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 facilities within it. You know, all the recovery stuff, all the pitches. You know, the wee groundsman was a wee Scottish guy. All right, big and all that. <laughs> he was a Ranger supporter. All right, big man. Now that bit really warm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Always about the Scots. A Scotsman will always find a Scotsman somewhere. Um. And went in and he said, we're here all the time. Because they had some sort of lease with the English FA, the, the, the younger teams would play at Burton. They would use that. We'd use that all the time. So suddenly you're like, every single day you're coming in here, you know, immaculate. And they said, we had a very successful season that year with Gary. Gary had moulded. I was one of his first signings. Again, built a team around, made his captain. And we, we reached the playoffs um, against a, a very good Bradford team that... Yeah. You know, if they did a good run, was that the season they got? Aye, they got to the final, aye. Yeah, and that's yeah. what they always say. You know, they always say within um, the leagues, there's always one team. It's at that time when they were in the league cup and they were uh, beating Arsenal and uh, beating Villa and, and, and teams like that. You were like, but they're struggling in the league. They're struggling aye. in the league. How, yeah. how, how can that be? You know, and then suddenly they played Swansea and they get knocked out, and then suddenly see that momentum they got. Aye. You started to see them coming up the table, and we we just lost it to a a Steve Evans um, Rotherham team that they finished third I think we finished a point behind them or two points behind them and we beat Rotherham twice that season to, and with the best home record out of all four divisions down there I think we played 23 games at home and, and won 20 drew one and, and lost two and with the best home record then we went into the playoffs and fourth v seventh you know it was um, they just snuck in at the last game and the last you know, hard, hard, hard team to beat. Went to Valley Parade or, or what it's called, what it's called now. I don't, I don't know. They rename these stadiums now. <laughs> and then um, we beat, we beat them. There, we turned them over in their own backyard. Beat them um, three two. Um, I played a sitting role that night. So I was going up against the boy Hanson, who was just and Gary. Gary played me in that role. And looking back, it was a good one because he said, like, you go and compete with him because if you play centre back, we're breaking the lines. You know, mm. he'll. Low average, we suggest he can go. See now, we'll keep a four new set as the one. See every ball, you go and, and compete against him. And I enjoyed that. I loved that, you know, going and compete against put him off his game, nudge him and all that, you know. And we got and we got the job done. And we're playing them four days later at our stadium. And we're like, you know, incredible home record we had all year. You know, we beat them at home as well. And we, we get beat just at the final bit. But their momentum, they went on and won it. You know, went Aye. on it and get promoted, uh, beat a Northampton team, which I would go to Nick the following year. But you're just like, you know, they had that momentum and, you know, fair play to them. They deserved it. But it just shows you that you've got to be on your game all the time. But Gary that day changed his tactics, went back to a, a flat back four, trying to accommodate players. And he, he spoke about that. You're like, so with a 4 1 4 1 kind of at Valley Parade, where we nullified Tansen and then we went to a straight back four. You know, and suddenly, and, and the Pirelli Stadium's quite tight. You know, all it takes is one slip, and you know he hates it all and, and things like that. So, yeah. so yeah, it was a sore one to take, but uh, probably a good achievement for a club the size of Burton Albion. Probably unknown to me, with all due respect, in the very beginning when Burton Albion came calling, I'd not a clue. If you're asking me, to be honest, I didn't know who they were. Mm-hmm. Um, they'd obviously Nigel Clough had been there previous, and then and Gary had taken over when when Paul Pesolino had had left. So, so yeah, so he got a team up and running. And you know everybody now knows knows who Burton Albion are just now. So yeah, it was a good first season down there, and, and thoroughly enjoyed that. 
the second season you you made the playoff final you made you get to play Wembley against Fleetwood. What was the memories of that game and how disappointing was it to lose it? Well, I shouldn't have been playing. This, this is an order. It's, it's a great, a great story. So we were laughing. Um, I think I'd done, I was talking about that. It was going to be a quiz question because I was already signed for Northampton. Right. Yeah. I, I played. I played for. I played for um, Burton Albion. So that season, um, went to New York on after that. After that season, and stupidly enough, wore flat soles, wore Converse, and came back. My plantar fascia was absolutely done in. So missed the first part of the the preseason plus the. Plus a few games, and then suddenly Gary had added to the team and, and got a bit of experience in, and, and then I was playing. But then he became a wee bit. Uh, I, I'm not really happy with this. I want I want to play. So Gary said, "Listen, you can. It's up to yourself. You want to wait about. Not my agent had been on the phone. So listen, what's happening and, and get out and play. So one day, um, got a call. Chris Wilder had phoned. He'd just taken over at Northampton from Oxford, and Oxford were third in the league at that year. At that time, in Northampton were bottom. Mm. This is the same Northampton team that were in the playoffs against Bradford. So you're talking about the hangover again from, yeah. from the, the following season. So he phoned me and said, listen, you're not playing at Burton. He said, there's 16 games to go here. I've just moved from um, Oxford to the third. He said, I think Northampton are going places, but we need to solidify the league status. You looked at the table and you're like, eight points, eight points adrift. You know, eight point, actually, seven, eight points adrift. You're like 16 games to go, which it's a hell of a job. If you've not won a lot of games of football to now, with now. So went down there, spoke to Gary. I said, listen, I'm going to go down and try it. Um, and Chris had said, listen, come down and enjoy it. So we played three games in a week. Went in, met my teammates on the Friday, thrust in eight on the Saturday. Managed to win 2-0 at home. And then we, we won 2-1. I think we beat Hartlepool 2-0 at home. And then we beat... Um, who was it? On, on um, I can't remember. On the, the Tuesday night, beat them two one. Then we drew against Bristol Rovers. We David Clarkson was up front and all that. The same Scottish are always stone and talk. That's another thing about going down to England. You can stone and talk and have a presence. Nobody really bothers or what you didn't talk to him and and stuff like that. You know, it was just just genuine boys. Aye. But we all know each other. But if I'm all over Aberdeen game it happened, there's a fight and all that. So Aye. you shouldn't be talking. It's just nonsense. So anyways. Seven points in a week, so we're like, you know, suddenly. But the problem was, see, every time we win games, I think other teams are winning, so we're suddenly like, oh, oh, you know, you were. And then we, I think, seven or eight games we'd won, won and drew and all that. So it was a good kind of start there. And then we kind of hit a wee lull patch. And, you know, it kind of like, Chris had said to me, he said, listen, if we stay up, I, if, I want you to sign permanently, whether we stay up or not. Yeah. You know, to me, I'm thinking I want to stay up. I'm not signing and getting into conference. There's right. no, no way of that. You know, I'm not no no thinking about that. So um so yeah, so we got to the last two weeks of the season. He's like, You thinking about it? And I was like, I said, No, I just want to get the team kind of safe, you know. We'd suddenly the the, the the two weeks to go to the end of the season, second last game, we win at Dagenham and Ivan Tony scores a couple. Right. And suddenly we're at the bottom two. You know, that was, I think that was the longest run a club's ever been in the bottom two. It was just they couldn't get out of it. So that was a, you're talking about, whenever they went into it to the second last day, but it was a record. And you're like, wow. So we get out of it. And then suddenly, again, fixtures, we play Oxford at home, Chris's old team. Aye. They, they had slipped, they'd slipped down to about 10 for something in the league. So it just showed you what his, and what he did with Sheffield United, but what, what he had at Oxford. Aye. He sort of came to Northampton. So we were going like that and they were coming down as well. So we I think 
oh, magnet, everything, all that. You're thinking in your mind, win this game, you're getting a new contract, everything, you know, the pressure. I was getting mar- married and that stuff. And you're like, oh, you know, everything you're like. And then suddenly um, they score after about five minutes. <laughs> you're like, no. We, we drop into the bottom two. No, great for the neutral because they're all watching it in Sky Sports and all that. So suddenly, and then we ended up winning the game 3 1 after the game. Jubilation, Northampton fans all on, kissing you, hugging you. Thanks very much, you know. You know, you've you know you've helped us go, but you see what it means to supporters. Yeah. You know, we players come and go. You know, every football club players come and go, but you see these fans crying and all that's their livelihoods, that's their club. And um, so you played a small part. So when we had a wee night out on a Saturday night, um, went up the road on a Sunday. Excellent. Chris phones me in the Monday morning about half six, quarter to seven in the morning. I was like, oh, what's happening? I haven't done anything in the night out. What's going on? Um, we're giving you a three-year contract. Do you want to sign? <laughs> Do right. I said, I'll be down there tomorrow. So I went down, signed everything. Button Albion had said, listen, you can go up the road to Scotland. You've signed your contract in Northampton. Well done for your time. Um, at Burton and all that. But you'll not play again here. We've got my team for the playoffs. Aye. Yeah, play. Got me Scotland, my golf clubs. Going up to relax. Went on, went, obviously celebrating a new contract. I think I was out on the, the Thursday, the Friday and the Saturday. The sports writers on the Sunday. Burton were playing... Um, South End on the Sunday. So Sunday, you're just sort of like... Oh, that was the semi-final, right? That's right, aye. So you've got the sports writers at night. You're watching the Burton game at 2 o'clock. I'm like, obviously, a bit worse for wear for having like two or three days out. You're celebrating your new contract and, and sort of the magnitude of what you've achieved at Northampton to keep your yeah. status and everything like that. But just really chilled out. And I think big centre-back gets sent off. And I'm like, ah, no, nah, surely not. And my dad turned to me and he said, listen, um, you might get a phone call tonight. I said, nah, I said, I've been told I'll only be playing again. He says, nah, I said, I've got my golf club, I'll be at the golf course next couple of days and etc. So, any sports writers, um, just about to go to the sports writers, I got a, a message for Gary, by the way, you're due back to Burton at, um, on Tuesday. They <laughs> 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 went to the sports writers, had a, had a water all night, my agent's like, what's going on? Not all the boys, you know what I mean? They're all like, what are you doing? No, that, I haven't got a drink in here. I can't, I'm going to do it in Darby. We stayed in Darby at the time. Back down the road, and that was me. So, sat on the bench for the, the semi final, second leg, managed to get through. Button fans were fantastic. So I hadn't seen them um, yeah. because I had uh, moved on and then got to the final. And I remember Gary saying, phoned us on the, the day before going down to Wembley. He said, uh, No, two days before Wembley, he said, uh, Can I trust you if I put you on? I said, Well, you know my makeup, you wouldn't have signed me away, way back. Whatever's happened between the football club and I, it's nothing between me and you. It's like, Aye. No, I'm professional. I have signed a contract in Northampton, but if you're going to think that I'm going to take the foot off the gas for, for Burton Albion, I'd be happy to help you, you know, get promoted and all that. I says, whatever. And then ended up coming on for half an hour. Yeah, we get beat, but you were involved in it. He trusted you, put you on, you know, and, you know, it was, it was a great manager to work on, a great coach, big in his fitness, something that I was always big on. And, yeah, very, very good. And as you said, his, his careers went from strength to strength for the clubs that he's kind of ticked off. Yeah, definitely. You move on to Northampton, as you say, in your first season, you finished 12th, but the season after you won the league, just how much was how much was Chris Wilder kind of the reason for that and how good was he? Did, could you see he would go on and do as well as he has? The easy answer to that would be yeah, but at the time, you, you don't. It's similar to Gary. You know, yeah. I, would, would I have thought he'd have went to Derby, Stoke, Millwall, you know, Birmingham, Possibly not, because you don't know how, if they get a club, then they don't know how they got on. 
But with Chris, you kind of it was similar to Jimmy Calderwood in a way, old school methods to try try and get to the, the players to repeat performance, hard work, you know, a togetherness, a unit, hard to beat. Um, Chris used to say if we for both boxes from tee to green, he he wasn't caring about pretty football for tee to green at a golf, but a golf course, get the ball up the park and try and score, get it away for yeah. goal, you know, no this pretty stuff and all that. We'll keep attacking, we'll keep attacking. You've seen that with Sheffield United team. You know, no so much this season. Last season, there were a breath of fresh air in that in mm-hmm. that league. Fullbacks overlapping, fullbacks, centre backs going beyond centre mids. You know, it was that was the way it was. You know, it was if they scored one, we'll try and score two. Mm-hmm. No, I mean we don't want them to score one. However, but we we on that, he, he came in the first that that year and said he signed another couple of good players. But it was all almost like the, the excess from the previous year. Yeah, and sort of been the slumps. In the playoff final, beat off Bradford, so they were sort of like. They were nearly there, but they just never got there. So suddenly he starts trimming the, the squad, bringing quality in rather than um, in quantity. Then became a really tight unit. And we had to be a tight unit because we were only getting paid. Um, twice we never get paid. And the second time that was when it really hit home that because the club was under investigation for the stand of £12 million went missing or something like that to regenerate Northampton and, and, uh, and the, the stadium. And... Um, yeah, so so that time we were getting paid out of the PFA. Sometimes the club would be late and in, but it was a punt. Uh, it was the staff, the manager, the kit men, the physio. They weren't getting paid. We we were obviously in the union down there. Yeah. So we were getting more money. They weren't. They? So it was months dragging on, months dragging on. When's this buyer? And there's a great. I always say to people get interviewed. There's a great speech on um, YouTube. Chris is at Notts County, and we were winning games of football. We kept winning. We kept winning. And he said, listen, he knows who the buyer was. And it was the guy who he was at Oxford with, Kelvin Thomas, a, a great guy. And um, he said, there's a deal on the table to be made, you know, just transferring it across. But there's no just a, it's not a rescue package. It's there's a deal and there's more and there's more. You know, mm-hmm. this is just no coming in and then it all stops. They'll be adding to it. There'll be funds there to get better players, to get um, facilities upgraded, everything like that. So it went to the 11th hour, believe it or not. You know, it was really, really, um, that's how bad it got. And we were, we as players, I was in Derby, I stayed in Derby at the time. And, and when you live in the area, you were going about, when you walked about in Northampton, like maybe after training for a coffee, or what's happened to the club? What's happened? The club was getting raided for files, stuff. Like that. It was just like, it became real. And then suddenly the club was going to the wall. So suddenly Kelvin comes in, gets the club back, um, pays off all the debts. And had a big meeting, said, Listen, the boys, all we could do was keep winning games. That's all. So, staff gets paid and all that. Went on another run, and um, we get beat off Portsmouth, I think, just for Christmas, beat, beat 2 1. And then again, we never lost a game of football after that, for that whole season. Never lost yeah. a game. We broke every record that that league could have did, I think, with most away wins, most clean sheets, most goals, the winning streak. You know, everybody, I always remember. You know, even talking about it, it brings back so much fond memories. It's remember we, we went to Plymouth on a Tuesday night, going down and they were top of the league, and we were 49 points, they were 52, and we beat them, beat them down there. Turned them all. James Collins came in, John Marcus came in, um, added to their strike force, and just galvanizes even more. You know, and saying Chris knows the market really well. Look at the two guys doing well at Luton, nice. doing yeah. well, you know, at Portsmouth again, but I went. So um started winning games and then suddenly we were just taking games off. You know, we never knew when we were beaten, never knew when a game was lost. You know, we'd always go the, the full way. If we win the game if 1-0, that's right. We, we, we dig in as a team. 
you know, if it's we went to we went to Dagenham, went to that, I'm sorry, Dagenham, went to Stevenage, um, a turn all down after about 15 minutes, ended up winning the game three two in the 94th minute. It was just like, but we'd win that league. That was in March, but the league was over. The league was over beginning yeah. of March. We knew it. We knew we were so far ahead. But it was Chris always said, keep the hammer down, keep the hammer down, keep winning games of football. You know, become a habit. You know, it becomes a habit. And every team then starts wanting to take it off you. They start trying harder. We just pop them off and we end up winning games, you know. But the scenes, the fans, unbelievable. We just said with the season wrapped up in the middle of March. And then we just enjoyed the last season. But we enjoyed it. We're still doing the right things. We're still winning games of football. We're still um, guarding against our records. Teams are not going to score against us. You know, it was... It was great, and even when we did win the league, we were down at Exeter, and we'd get promotion the week before, guaranteed promotion, then we are down at Exeter. And my last three games, away games, was Exeter, Yeovil, and Portsmouth, you know, we were saying, if we're in a championship winning team, and if we need to go to these places in sort of the latter weeks to win something, then it'd be difficult, but we'd already won it anyhow. Nice. We didn't Exeter, didn't Exeter, and we are waiting on the pitch, and with no nulls, I said, it was our drab game, but says that's what they say. They say strikers win football games, defences win championships, don't they? That's what that's what they say. We like to say anyhow. And um we're just waiting we're now now we're waiting and Oxford were playing suddenly the crowd all came running on and that was it. So seeing the, the guys a couple of years previously that were crying for the saviour, saving the club. Yeah. Knew these guys were were tears of joy and everything like that. You know, they could celebrate after the year that they might have not had the club, but mm. now suddenly they're on a pitch celebrating everything like that. And you know, it was great because Jamie McAllister was doing there, Maka, who I knew from my time at Aberdeen, and yeah. they get beers, Exeter gave us beers and everything like that. But it was brilliant. See, after that, it just became there was nights out all the time. It was just, but we start, we still won games. We still yeah. won games of football, believe it or no. We weren't they kind of too big for our, our boots. We just sort of said we worked and we played, you know, we, we really went for it, you know, when we, when we went out. We went out and when we, we worked hard, we worked hard when we played the game of football, we really played it. And it was just a unique team. Everything mm-hmm. slotted into place for us. And, you know, they're in referencing the, the away trips to Yeovil and then latterly the last game of the season down at Portsmouth, you're just, you know, on the bus, it was like a Venga bus coming back up the road, you know, just like beers and everything. But that's been winning games of football, even, you know. And I'll give you, I know we've touched on Chris, but this is his man management. We're... Going to play Portsmouth, there were 7,000 Northampton fans going down to Portsmouth last day of the season. So we were sitting in the pitch on, we'd just done a practice match on the Tuesday. And then about half an hour, they went out last and just call it. And like, oh, somebody's done something. Somebody's done something. You know, the manager stopped saying, a wee bit sloppy, a wee bit. And I sat down and kind of shouted over to the tunnel. And these big three or four crates came out and opened it. It was just all beers. He said, listen, guys, sit, take your boots off, training's over away. You know, we play Portsmouth, we've got 7,000 fans, League's won, you know, brilliant. You've had your trophy day against Luton, you know, we get a trophy a few weeks prior. You know, look at this, it was, it was a glorious day in Northampton, but at that time, boys were car sharing and all that. They're like, what do we do now? Do we kind of kick on? Do we have a... Because he's looking at us to say, you better take one. But you don't want to be drink driving. So suddenly boys are saying, right, well, we might need to get a travel lodge or a, a premier in to stay over and it was just, we touch a class, you know what I mean? For Chris, you say, listen, go on, just relax, you know what I mean? The, the hard work is done. You know, mm-hmm. if you, if you, irrelevant, if you win at Portsmouth, if you don't, it's not going to deter but a good season you've had. But we still went down there. We had our beers in the middle of the pitch. I still went down there and turned them over 2-1. And we had the famous pink strips on that day and the colour and all that. Summer's day down there, absolutely fantastic. 
Brilliant. Yeah, after that, obviously, Chris gets, Chris gets the Sheffield United job and Rob Page comes in. How did you find him? I liked Rob. Liked Rob. He came in again and we knew Chris was, Chris was supposed to go to Charlton and then um, his beloved Sheffield United he came in for him and, yeah. you know, he went there and, and Rob comes in and I got on really well with Rob, but similar again, like to when I made my debut, a new manager's coming in and I've, I've been in a championship winning team. I played a large part in this. Um, I want to play League One football now. I'm not just going to get promotion for somebody else to come in and take my position. So that really upped the ante for me and I really went away, worked hard, showed Rob what a good player capable of playing. You know, we, we signed players, we signed Matty Taylor, Alex Rubel, you know, Paul Anderson, the players like that. And, um, you know, players that on loan from championship clubs and probably for me, not good enough. Um, because they've always been in academy football when they come down. This is League One football now. Mm-hmm. You know, even harder down at League Two. But it's a shock to the system. Rob had probably known a few, and that's probably led to his downfall. Got these players, you know, from Swansea, you know, obviously being Welsh himself, got these players in, just couldn't cut it, you know. Mm-hmm. No, as I'm saying, no streetwise, don't don't know the change room, nothing like that. So he came in, he put me, he kept me in the team, loved every moment of it. But, um, Started off the season well from the previous year, didn't lose a game, beat West Brom in the cup at home, yeah. and managed to score. That that set up a tie against Manchester United. And and then we lost we lost against Chesterfield and then it was a Manchester United game. But but it was good. But I always remember going back to the United game and it was a big for all that Man United come to town and and Rooney and Zlatan and Carrick and Herrera and Rashford and Memphis, not they're all coming. But I was that wee bit older. I'm starting to look at the other side of the game. I said, well, it's only one game. There's 46 games within a, a league. So even then, I was like, you know, but they were saying to me, you know, you've got to enjoy it. It's not been a damp squib and all that. And I was like, I said, but this is only one night. See, tomorrow it's gone. Mm-hmm. But for league status, we need to be picking up in the league and, and stuff like that. You know, there's a bigger picture. And you know what happened? Suddenly, the everybody in the lead up to the game, Monday and Tuesday in training for the United game, everybody's fired. Firing all cylinders, you know, it's the training standard got that. I look at that again, I go, how's it not that all the time? You know, why are these players just turning it on now? Because they've got a chance of playing Man United and then suddenly they're not in the squad and they go back to their, their own ways. See, the following season, they're out the door and not playing sort of league football, they, they go to conference or conference south or whatever. So that's sort of the makeup of what we had and what we'd signed. And ultimately, that led to the sort of downfall, I think, with, with Rob. And then, obviously, Rob gets sacked and Justin Edinburgh comes in. Did you enjoy your time with him? Yeah, as I said, like, unfortunately, Rob gets sacked. You know, he, he said I was playing my mask at the time. Plus, I had scratched my cheekbone. and Rob done everything for me, really looked after me. Got the best sort of surgeon, everything like that. But, yeah, unfortunately, he gets sacked. Justin comes in and, um, yeah, he just steadied the ship. That's all it was because at that time, we were in a survival mode. That's what we had to be in. Yeah, um, you know, we're, we're sliding in the league. We were sort of getting beat heavily. Um, we're leaking goals. We were, we couldn't find a formation, change a manager. You know, it was just a combination. So basically, it was just survival. He met, he met the target. Um, I played every played every um, time under him. Um, managed to get player of the year at that, that year as yeah. well. So my time my time was good. Um, proving myself again, the, the fire in the belly. But as I said, Justin came in, steady the ship. So I just just play on, but my mind was sort of wandering to say, listen, it's three years at this football club now. I think I've done all I can. Mm-hmm. And that subsequently kind of led to, to where we went next. 
Yeah. You went to Mansfield with Steve Evans. What was your time like there? Oh, I loved it. I was speaking to him um, yesterday. Um, Steve, uh, a character, absolute character. Um, I'd known my time has, was kind of going over um, at Northampton. That was my own decision. Um, I needed sort of a freshness about me again. Three years I'd learned for that episode at Aberdeen where I had to move. Yeah. Sort of my, um, my stock was a bit high down there. And so I, I'd commuted all my time for Derby to Northampton. And then Mansfield was just sort of 10 miles up, up from Derby. And, and Steve, you know, anybody that knows Steve, just, you know, I mean, a, a huge character within the game. Talks a really good game. Mm. He's Glasgow slang and he's twang and everything like that. I gave him a bit of stick at times. But we met at, we met at East Midlands Airport. And I think we spoke maybe about three or four hours, honestly, just talking about football, you know, your upbringing, your, your players, your, you know what I mean, the leagues and all that. Just stories. If I told a story, he would tell a story. It was just on. Suddenly, oh, geez, we need to, we need to move on here. Not. And then suddenly, are you coming to me? Aye. Okay, right, out the door. You know what I mean? It was just <laughs> like, as, as quick as that, you know, it was, it was absolutely fantastic. Went up there, met him. Uh, when I was doing my coaching courses down there and I went up to him on the Friday and the formalities were the, the offices weren't at Mansfield, the, the actual signing ones. So he's like, I had to go. I'd done my medical. He's like, all right, big man. How you like? Come on, come on in. Come on in. And he sat with his feet up on his table and he says, why don't you um, get, get me a can of iron brew? His fridge <laughs> was absolutely stopped with iron brew. He says, oh, I see these. Uh, Steve swears a lot. Right. So you see these English and all that. So they don't know what that is. Look at that. Well, I need to get that sent down to me and all that, you know. And um, but just a brilliant. I love them. Um, big character, big presence. Made me captain down there. And you know, I was I was struggling a bit with a wee bit of injury. It, beginning with it was good. Loved every moment again. We went to Malta pre-season. Yeah. Um, and he demanded standards, but that's it. Brought me in. It sort of kind of raised his standards. However, you've got your players to buy into that. And Steve's philosophy is, if you don't buy into that, you're out the door. Mm-hmm. But you can't tell that, you kind of half the team. You know what I mean? So it's right. like, boys like, oh, who's, who's he going to get in now? But it sold the club. That, that was the thing. It was a project to try and get Mansfield. Mansfield were going big this year. That's why he'd hired Steve the previous year. Yeah. The best bus, the best. No, we, we were in suits. It was like, we went to Crew in the first day of the season and we came off the bus in suits. And Crew are walking in like with track suits. But that was Steve's standards. Steve yeah. had seen that with Sir Alex Ferguson Aye. and we and we, we crawly teams and went like, no, that's good. So that was that was his principle, fine. But crew were sort of like, well, who are these guys? And and in their minds are probably saying, you're going to turn them or who do you think they are turning up with blazers and the, the grey the grey trousers and stuff like that? But but his standards were high, you know. He barked, you know, and if he, if you weren't doing something right, you know, one or two got a got a, an ear an ear bashing. Some of the boys would turn to me at half time. He'd walk out. What'd he say there? What'd he say there? <laughs> I don't. I don't know what he said. I said. He said, "If you don't get your finger out, you'll boot the door." And that's that's. Um, would you call it making it easy for you? Uh, he said, but he was just effing and blinding and all that. I said, that's that's Steve. You know what I mean? Everybody uh, knows him, bro. But he gets the best out of the players. Yeah. In his way, he get the best out of players. I knew. I didn't mind that. I didn't mind somebody barking orders like that. The sort of new generation didn't like that. So it was all like, mm, I'm not too sure about that. Suddenly players start getting under. Mm-hmm. You don't see them. No quality players at that level. And suddenly, no no for me, no for me. But you've got to kind of know the makeup of your manager or who you're going to sign for before yeah. you actually sign. So, um, so yeah, as I said, um, enjoyed my time under him. Um, and when he left, we were sort of in a good position. We are in a really good position. But that kind of 
sort of fizzled out when, when David and uh, Flickcroft came in and yeah. suddenly my injuries sort of I took a bash and then suddenly from there on it was sort of like you know a, a downward a downward spiral. And could you did you just feel that you couldn't that you couldn't play anymore? Or was it did it just get when did you kind of realise it? It was time to kind of give it call time um, in career. I realise it probably you know it's going back and revisiting it again. I, I almost I like, hate talking about it, but it's like well, one day just in training you get a bang and then suddenly a bang turns to like niggles, niggles. And I'd pull my hamstring at times. And I'd, I'd I'd never put my hamstring my whole career. I never had a hamstring injury. And then I get injections into my back, but that didn't release nothing. And then no. I was still playing on top of that, playing on top of that. My calf would go, you know, you know, I mean, everybody knows your, your, kind of your, your back is doing to your hamstring, doing to your calf, and everything like that. So I'd do my left hand side. I remember we, we played Chesterfield, which is a huge derby, and it's like an old firm derby down there. It's really, really like hostile on that. And played there, we, we beat them one 0 and we had a couple of days off. So you had to look after yourself and everything like that. And second day, I was just like a wee bit, wee bit sore. So we had a couple of days off and then trained on the Wednesday and the Thursday. Yeah, Wednesday and the Thursday. I went in on the Friday and I said, listen, I'm playing Portville on the Saturday. I said, I, I can't train today. I said, I'm absolutely, I can't move. I can't lift my leg. And when I was walking, I was I was, I was lying on the sofa on the Thursday night. And I said, my, my leg was just drooping all the time. So something wasn't right. So you get put to the, you get put to the, the pool, you know, go and loosen it off and all that. And I'm like, this isn't right. There's something no right. A pool does Disney sort this with therapeutic nonsense. So that that evening, it was the day wore on, wore on. I was getting sore and sore. And then I remember leaving um, the bed to go into the spare room. I was physically crying into my pillow. It was my back was just absolutely, it was like my nerves, my, my discs, whatever it was, I was getting my, my wife came in and just said, um, you're right. And I was not that way. No, you was got a pain, you're crunched in the pillow, you're you're like that, you're like, no, I'm, 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 this is okay, it's all right, I'll just get to sleep, no, I couldn't get to sleep. I had to phone the paramedics, and that was probably the beginning of, right, okay, there's, nice. this is major, this is, there's something no right here. And they have paramedics, and we just um, had our, our first daughter, and three months, three months old, not, not six weeks old, and, you know, my wife's holding the, the baby, and, and the paramedics are in, and seeing me squirming about, and I was like, people don't see that side of it, and I'm like, it's no worth it, but the problem was I couldn't get a scan until the, the Wednesday. So I just went out and got a TENS machine and everything that came with it. And you see more and more at the days wore on, the more and more it was going worse. Then I then I couldn't I couldn't do the toilet right. I would get up to go and push, couldn't do that back to bed. Then I was on like codeine, I was on tramadol, I was on you no know, every drug that you sleeping pills. Uh, so I wasn't sleeping well, so wasn't eating well, um, ended up losing about three or four kilo within that five-day period because I just wasn't eating at all, suffering, crying, you know, probably an hour's sleep each, give or take, per night, you know, over that, you know, just a zombie. Um, went, had to, the problem was, again, the the Spire Hospital was in Nottingham, so we were in Derby, rush hour traffic, so I'm actually yeah, yeah. climbing the back, back seats to... I said, can you know, operate me on here now, now and then, now and then? No, I had to come back Friday. So then again, back through the traffic, right through back to bed again, facing the pillow. Do you know what I mean? It was just a horrible, horrible time. Went into the, went in, got the injections on the Friday, released everything. I was like, oh my God, you know, it was just incredible. And then yeah. suddenly, um, got, went back to him and they went, listen, you're going to need to get operated on the injections. I worked to sort of just pinch the nerve and everything around it. 
that you need you need operated on. I said, right, no bother. You know, I'm um, saying at the time, aye, that's fine. Um, you put in the transfer market, um, off David, didn't you really see eye to eye with, with David Flickcroft, you know? Yeah. But, you know, we put in the transfer market, um, but then found it had to be operated on. So I'm like, well, that's fine. So we got operated on, and the way the, the, the surgeon said to me, he said, it's, it's like shaving the disc, it's laser, laser, laser surgery. It's, on, it's no opening your back, it's laser. He said, but I've never done this on an athlete. He says, I've done it in like, an everyday person, you know? He said, but if I, uh, an, an athlete, I'm not too sure. I said, well, dear, I don't want my back opened. I'm not interested in all that. I don't want that. Just try and do that. So we got it. Oh, I felt absolutely great. Worked, worked hard throughout the summer um, to get myself back. Went in and I went to jump the last part of rehab. Done all my gym work throughout the, the six-week period throughout the summer. Came back. I said, OK, we'll try to agree something with myself to get, you know, move on to another club. And, you know, I'll be fit enough. And then went to jump to do some heading. And suddenly... It was back to the same feelings again. And I was like, and it was the first time I probably cried. I, I said to my dad, I said, I phoned him and I said, I think this is the end. But I couldn't get the words out. No. And I went to my wife. I went to my wife. She was in the park with uh, my friends, with the, with the young babies and all that. And she just kind of looked at me and she knew she knew I was in a, a lot of pain. Suddenly back to the surgeon again. He's like, I says, I've told you. You know what I mean? He's a great, great surgeon. He said, he was just very honest. And... He went through it again. He said, we're going to open you up. So he went and got opened up. So this time I had a corset on for six weeks. <laughs> couldn't he, couldn't he um, lift the baby? Wasn't he allowed to lift the baby? Nothing like that. So I missed all that time. I was just lying. And what you're saying about what happens next, you're just staring at a ceiling watching mm-hmm. football. It's pre-season. All the games are on the telly. The fresh mm-hmm. the fixtures come out. You weren't even given a, a, a toss about the fixtures or anything like that. You weren't caring or what's happening or, or, or anything. You know, and at the time, you were missing out and all the, the baby stuff, obviously, as well. Back to the surgeon, I said, I feel great. No, I said, listen, you need to really calm it down. Fire on the belly. No, no, I'm back. Went to the gym to do rehab. Within the first day, I knew then. I just looked and I said, no, nah, my body's not the same again. It's going to be, I need to look at myself. I need to look at the bigger picture. Again, back to the surgeon. He actually took it out with my hands. He said, listen, and he, he looked at um, my daughter and he went, because at that time, it was only the three years down there. So yeah. one drove, we had the other one. I had to watch the, the other one. And, and he looked and he went like that. He said, you need to stop. And I knew I, I knew then. And, and suddenly, um, that was the end. So the formalities, probably at the time, he didn't really know formalities and contracts and everything like that. You were still sort of in a haze and a bubble and all that. You're saying suddenly, you're one day a professional. And suddenly, it's out with your hands. That's mm-hmm. it. It's just... As 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 quick as that, you know, as quick as you get your debut and you play, it's bang like that, it's and mm-hmm. it, it's gone. Just so it wasn't just that it wasn't just that a day. It was a kind of six seven month period where, yeah. you know, if you say February was when it started, and then I quit in October. You know, it's a hell of a long time in between to be battling. See, obviously after that, did you have a plan for what you wanted to do after football? Like, what, did you have kind of plans in place? Like, after, when before you thought you were going to retire? Yeah, well, what I said to you about the, the coaching side, I started once I hit my 30s, I started to look at managers and scenarios. I gave a few as we spoke there. We, well, like referencing the Man United game, you know, it's only one game, it's, you know, stuff like that. So taking writing sessions down, really showing an interest in the video analysis, going and sitting with the guys, you know, the, the interns when they were in at the, the football club, sitting with them, how do you cut that? How do you do stuff and all that? 
what do you look for? Um, what is your actual job? Go and speak to an um, assistant coach, you know, what's a normal day? You know, it's, it's stuff like that, you know, do you ever switch off? What, what is, you know, so 101 questions. Mm-hmm. Probably latterly at Mansfield with Steve, looking at his methods, you know, how to get standards, how to get players playing for you. You know, fitness coaches, what, what these drills for, you know, obviously everything I've accumulated as a player, it worked for me. So how can I go and what my side of my career is going to be a coach stroke manager. Yeah. If I can, if I can do it, then how can I use that? You know, take wee bits, write wee notes, what have you learned? What would you not use? You know, stuff like that. You want to be your own person, of course you do, but I think everybody would be lying if they say, listen, I'm my own person. Somebody shapes you or molds you, small things, Jimmy helped me. You know, Mark McGee helped me, Craig Brown helped me, Archie Knox, you know, Craig, mm-hmm. Chris Wilder, Gary. There's always wee bits you can take, you know, then you then you become your own your own person. But there was a there was a long period of time where I wouldn't say I fell out of love with football. I just sort of the way it ended and the way the way the way it started all oh, brilliantly and everybody's on a happy to see soon as you end it, nobody's sort of there for you. So it's only you, only mm-hmm. your your family, it's there for you. You know, you get a couple of texts, phone calls, and it's true what they say. Your phone stops a wee bit. Right. You know, it's no no longer. Because after I, after I retired, there was interviews right, left, and centre, and suddenly then it was Christmas. And then after that, we had to move back to Scotland. So you're still sort of caught up in it. But then suddenly we came up to Scotland and said, right, what next? I started my B licence. Um, I just needed to be assessed down there. And my back stocks, so I couldn't get out in the grass and practice. So then I had to come up here and reset it again mm-hmm. through the Scottish FA. And then obviously the coronavirus is hit, so we're just waiting for, for assessments and everything that comes with it. But I had an idea that I, I wanted to go into that side of things. I love helping others. I love like talking about the game. I love mm. speaking to, to ex-players, you know, their experiences and when we played and, and talking about old stories. But seeing the kids develop, I love, I love that side of it. I want more, you know, I love at the 16s, but I feel as if I can go up. I love learning my trade there. But the plan is to sort of really see where I'm at, test myself, because the first day I went into Queen's Park, I was nervous as anything, you mm-hmm. know, really nervous. Well, you know, 101 things, they're only 15, 16, but they're judging you straight away. Right. You know, so my plan of action was get a good club up in Scotland because I've been away for a hell of a long time. You know, you can become forgotten, which probably, <clears throat> excuse me, which you, which you do become. So you come back and people say, oh, hi. And suddenly... You're the Aberdeen player, you know, that was you played at Aberdeen. So suddenly people start being refreshed. You get into Queen's Park, I meet an old coach like Gardner Spears, who nice. was my youth, you know, so sort of familiar face again, you know, get out to coaching courses and see familiar faces. Down in England, there's a million and one players, you know, it's, you know, I mean, it's a, there's hundreds, but up here it's like, you know, it's as small as a nation, but we all talk to each other. No, that is a network. You know, you just you build your network again. That's probably the most important thing that I had to do was build my network again. Yeah, I've been away for uh, a length of time, but not only away from like Glasgow, I probably not only away from Scotland. Sorry, Glasgow. I've been away from a long time. You know, I left Dumbarton Stoke, Glasgow, when I was 16, 17. Yeah. So I've returned. So I've been away for a hell of a long time. So there's a hell of a lot of ch- changes. Is actually throughout the, um, the area as well, you know. So it's tapping into it, you know, going speaking to managers and all that when I've been back up. Um, and I've loved every moment of it. And I just, I mean, we all, we all want um, it to lift the ban and everything like that. But I just love going out and coaching and, and seeing where I'm at. And, um, yeah, testing myself, taking myself right out of your comfort zone. 
and um, and seeing what you can do this side of the game and pass on sort of bits of knowledge that you got. Brilliant. Are you already closing some quite questions, Andrew? Yeah, by right, yeah. Your whole career, who was the best player you ever played with? Oh, there's been a few. One-off games or like, well, you know, I answer that uh, one-off games. If One-off games, you'd probably say Ibrahimovic. You know, I played against Gerard and that, but I'd say probably um, Zlatan, you know, just for for him. You know, I read his book, My Honeyman. I know it's quick fire, but I read his book in the honey, my honeymoon and then a couple of years later I was playing against him. Just a man now. And the standards that he set, you know, I think um, Herrera was going to get to a throw and he's shouting at him to get it done quicker. You know, they're 3-1 <laughs> up in a cold night in Northampton, but still demanding, you know, because he's made that movement. So Zlatan, yeah, Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Brilliant. Best, uh, favourite away grounds you've played at? Ooh. You can say the European game. Anfield. I feel brilliant. Interesting fact about yourself that nobody else would know. Oh. Um, I don't know where to reveal this one, but it would be probably funny to end it. Um, I was supposed to be a Ranger supporter. I'd grown up. So I, was, <laughs> um, I cried. My mum my tells the story that when I was a young boy, I cried the shop then for a, a Rangers shirt. And my, my father said no. So... <laughs> If I if I if I'd got my way and um, it may be light if a wee bit of light hearted, but if I'd got my way, I'd, I might have been a, a Ranger supporter. But there we go, my, my father got his way and I became a Celtic supporter. Favorite film and TV show? Um, TV show got to be Line of Duty, isn't it? I know, it's just I'm coming back on. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely brilliant. Um, favorite film? I watched one recently and it really it's the Three Kings. Brilliant. Uh, yeah, Shankly, uh, Shankly Buzz really Bainstein. Yeah. yeah. Um, just because they're into this process of football now. Um, yeah. You know, um, I that recently one, I thought that was a fantastic. And I watched um, the Kenny Douglas one, was all, mm-hmm. also brilliant. But I, uh, Three Kings. Brilliant. Best player you played with? Ooh. See, I, 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 I love Seve. I love Scott Severin as a, as a he's player. Really, he's really underrated, isn't he? One hundred percent. He could, you know, he could right foot, left foot. He could um, head a ball. He could tackle. He could throw a ball. You know, it was like, you know, he could even do that. You know, it, it was a man. It, it was brilliant. It was brilliant for me. And um, we lived in the same um, village as well in Aberdeen. So, so yeah, probably Scott Seven, underrated, but highly, highly important to your team. You missed him when he wasn't in your team. What's he doing now? I'm not too sure what Seve's up to. I'm not too sure. I'm not sure if he's back in Edinburgh or he's still in Aberdeen. I'm not too sure about that. Brilliant. Best friend in football? Oh, the, the loopy goalkeeper, Derek Souter. Absolutely. Aye, aye absolutely <laughs> bonkers. Um, talk to him every single day of life. I talked to Derek. We're on a WhatsApp group. He was at my wedding, everything like that. Went and hauled it to Santa Ponza together. Um, aye. He was the only guy... Um, it said he claimed he had a broken ankle in Santa Ponce. He fell over it. You say fell over it. He was dancing and he, he tripped. And his <laughs> ankle's up like that and he's sitting at the pool the next day and it's up like that. And I'm talking about, he's saying to the, um, <laughs> the waiter guy, you know, I need ice, I need ice and all that. And the guy comes with like a pint of ice. Is that for your magnus? No, 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 I need to my ankle. And he's like, oh, no the night, no the night. 
he drinks a few later, he's back up, he's running around the pool, he's dancing again in the pub that <laughs> night and all that. Then the next morning he's back at the pool, like, I need to stop that, I need to stop that. This happened for five days, five <laughs> days solid, and his ankle was like, I think he broke it to him. It was, oh, it was a yawn ah. size. But, um, but Derek Souter said he'll be a pal for life. Um, he shares so much stories and he's trying to say to me, if you get a job in football, I'll be a goalie coach and all that. So <laughs> I, I'm, not too, I'm not too sure about that. <laughs> Brilliant. Final question, best manager you played under? It's a no-brainer. It's um, Jimmy Calderwood. Um, Chris Wilder pushes him. But nah, for what Jimmy done for me, and I'll throw Jimmy Nick one I can't hear one if the other, no, but no. what they two guys done for me, um, I'll be forever in their debt. And as I said, um, yeah, I talk to them most weeks and they'll just, they come on the phone, we can speak. If it's one hour, no, nah, it'll be three or four hours with Jimmy and Nicole, <laughs> you know, just talk, just talking about football. The phone is just before Christmas there. We're talking about, we're putting a wee bet on, it was the cup final with Celtic Hearts. And we're still up. I think the phone went at 11 o'clock. We were talking. And suddenly it was three in the morning. Just talking about football, <laughs> football, and it felt like five minutes. So real football people, real honest people, and, and great people. Brilliant, Xander. It's been an absolute pleasure to be on the show, mate. I can't thank you enough for joining me. I really enjoyed it. No, well, it's been absolutely Brilliant. fantastic. I love going, going down memory lane. We spoke so much. Um, hope not too much of your time, but but no, it's Brilliant. been enjoyable. Really enjoyed it. Really, really good. Absolute pleasure. Thanks very much indeed. No, no problem. No Cheers, problem. Mate. Anytime.